1: That's bluenile.
2: Better late than never. Welcome.
3: It's my favorite.
2: Yes, it is. Fucking Anton Lander.
3: I like really like the bag milk shower. Bag milk.
2: Yes. This is Cecus. Uh oh. Cecus. Cecus. Well, since Cecus is here. Ceases. Let's just turn this down and get started, shall we? Tyler your well. is so fucking sexy. Ceases. There you go. What else do you need to know? Episode twenty-six, a better late than never. We're just gonna bring this on down. Thank you, as always, to Surveyor Brett for making the intro. We got a lot to get to, so I've got no time to waste. Zero time to waste whatsoever, my friends, and that means getting right to it. I'm going to have Wanye on the podcast later. We're going to talk about the Battle of Alberta. We're going to talk about the Colorado Avalanche. We're just going to talk about causing a little mayhem on the internet during the playoffs. This is a celebration, friends. If you're at Edmonton, I know you feel it. If you're not in Edmonton, why aren't you here? Where are you? What kind of priorities are you uh, putting above being here? You know? I don't want to hear family and kids. First, we're going to get to all that. I got to tell you about the audio department. If you go to theaudiodepartment.ca, you're going to see the title sponsor of Better Late Than Never. They came in, they swooped in, and they're like, we want to be in the bag milk business. Well, the audio department wants to be part of your business. They work to create a safe space for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize their potential and share their message through sound and story. If you want to know where they are, 6916 82nd Avenue Northwest or the theaudiodepartment.ca theaudiodepartment.ca Book a studio time right there. You got, a, you got a diss track you want to record? How about this one? From my friend Captain Felton. We played Don't this want on to wake today. up!
0: Cause I know they closed the street Closed the street, that's where I used to have my fun. When I go out, I'll have to find a brand new spot because McDavid has closed my other one. If I get drunk, yes, you know I'm heading north.
2: This is, of course, Captain Felton came up with this today, sent this over to us. We played the full thing on the Real Life Podcast today, but it is just incredible. Incredible.
0: Because they have shut down the Red Mile and White Ave is the place to be. Because the Oilers rule the NHL It's so
2: good. We are going to, uh, I'll finish off the podcast with that today. I will uh, play that out at the end of the podcast today. I'll give you the whole thing because it is absolute magic. Shout out to Captain Felton. I just figured I'll give you a little taste. That's how we're going to start off the podcast today. Just a little taste, a little scratch for our friends at the audio department. I've been talking about coming up with your own diss tracks for weeks now. Captain Felton goes out and does it. As much as that sounded great, imagine how good it would sound at the audio department. Again, go check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. So since I last recorded, that was the episode five days ago. Five. What's happened? In that episode, I said, listen, the Oilers are up three games to one, and that's great. We should be happy about it. But Kobe Bryant said, job's not finished. And I was adopting the, uh, the Mamba mantra, that Mamba mentality. So what the Oilers do in game five, they went out and won it. They went out and won it. They got an OT. Of course it's from Connor. Of course Connor gets the assist from Leon. It's the way it was meant to be, people. It was the way it was meant to be. Leon Drysaddle absolutely dominant through that series. 17 points for our boy, which was more than the Calgary Flames' entire first line. I don't know if you know that, but That was probably one of the best performances in a series by a guy who's hobbling on one and a half legs that I've ever seen. I know we heard a lot about that ankle injury or whatever he's battling, Leon Dreisaitl that is, but he did not show it. In fact, I thought he got stronger as the series went on. It was incredible to watch him do his thing. It really was. Those two were absolute magic and the Flames had absolutely no answer for it. I mean, if you, if you, let me ask you this, Oilers fans. Let me ask you this, and I want you to be honest with yourselves. Leave me a message on the voicemails if, if you want to chime in on this. We all thought the Oilers would win, you know? The homer and me wanted to say, Oilers and four, baby, fuck yeah. But what the reality is, is I thought it was going to be Oilers and six or seven. Oilers in six or seven, the Flames are a damn good hockey team. But you know what? The Oilers handled their business. They came in, they took advantage of the opportunities that were presented to them. Mike Smith outdueled a Vesna Trophy winner and Jacob Markstrom. All of that happened and nobody saw it coming. All the pundits, Wayne Gretzky himself, picked the Flames to win this thing. Everybody did except Mark Messier. Did you see that, Mark Messier? We salute you, sir. Regardless of what the talking heads like me said, regardless of what any of the so-called experts said, our boys went out and they handled their business. They played their game, they made uh, Calgary get into a track meet with them, and it did not go well for the Flams. And instead, they're talking about what went wrong, what happened. Did they leave it all out there? Were the Oilers that good? Is Johnny Gaudreau as bad defensively as he looked on the game-winner to OT when he just, in OT, I should say, when he just did a fly-by Leon Drysaddle on the boards? Now, you could say, oh, Leon, Leon was there, but Johnny was actually out covering his point because that was the man he was supposed to cover. Well, let me tell you something. When you had a former Hart Trophy winner, Art Ross Trophy winner, on the boards, and the guy's been dishing all series long, you maybe let Duncan Keith battle by himself or whoever was on that right side. I don't remember right now. Johnny Gaudreau, if that was the last play he actually does in Calgary, not a great one. Not a great one. We'll see what happens down in Calgary over the offseason, but frankly, I don't really care. What I do care about is, well, I guess we should probably talk about the Coleman goal, right, in Game 5? About six and a half, six-ish minutes. I don't remember exactly. It's a fever dream at this point. I was drinking a lot of red wine, if I'm being honest. It was the go-ahead goal. The game was tied 4-4. Coleman scores with about six and a half left. Goes to review. At first, this was my perspective. At first, when I see the refs gathering, I'm like, oh, Jeremy Koopal, who is the Oilers' video coach, must have saw offside. Shout out to Jeremy Koopal. So then when they showed the offside or where it would have been offside, I was like, nope, that's onside. That is a good goal. Case closed. Oilers have six and a half minutes to come back. That's all I thought. But then as it went longer and they're like, oh, maybe it's a kick. Maybe it's a kick. Maybe it's a kick. I saw, I looked at the replay from every angle they showed on TV. There was some coming out on Twitter, like Frank Saravalli tweeted a good one, where maybe... It was a kick. I think the most damning thing actually happened post-game when, when Coleman admitted he was trying to direct the puck in with his foot, which is just another way of saying he was trying to kick it in. I honestly i am going to be fully transparent. I'm as biased as it comes when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers. I love them more than anything, except my dog, Frankie's very handsome. I thought it was a goal. I thought it was a good goal. And I thought the Oilers were going to have to get some work done to come back and tie it and send the game to overtime, game five, that is. But when it came back as no goal, when they did the no goal and the saddle dome goes ballistic about it, I thought this is a bonus chance that the Oilers cannot waste. They cannot, cannot, cannot blow this opportunity. Score's tied. You don't have to come back now. You just have to get the next one. You just have to win it. And that's what happened. Five minutes into the overtime. Leon, Connor, back of the net. As Chris Cuthbert said, game winner, series winner. I've watched that call probably 50 times at this point. I love it every single time you do it. But for a Flames fan, I completely understand why they're salty. I do. I get it. But at the end of the day, you got to look at it from our side as well. First of all, hang on to that grudge all you want. The reality is that was one call in game five when you were down 3-1 in the series. It wasn't going to matter. The Oilers were going to win that series no matter what. Would have got extended to game six, maybe, but that's a big maybe from my standpoint. That's a big maybe. The Oilers had already come back to tie that game a couple of different times. Who's to say they wouldn't have been able to do it again with six and a half minutes left? There's no guarantee the the Flames would have won that game. Zero. None. Not with the way that series has gone. Not with the way Jacob Markstrom was playing. So you're assuming they would have won game five, but then if it got to overtime, who's to say would have played out any different? What I see is that, yes, I thought that was a goal. It came back, no goal. Oilers had a bonus chance and they took advantage of it. The Flames folded. They didn't have an answer. They got down. They thought they should be winning 5-4, went to OT. They didn't get anything done. Maybe they had a couple of looks on Mike Smith, but ultimately we're talking about some outside chances at best. Some outside chances at best. Connor scores in OT. Another, in my opinion, goal that Markstrom probably should have stopped. But that was the case all series. That was the case all series. So, Flames fans are salty. And it's going to be interesting and fun to watch them just... I'm going to lick them tears right off your face for the rest of the summer. I don't even care about what happens in Colorado series. Of course I want the Oilers to win. Oilers in six, by the way. Of course I want the Oilers to win. But I don't think that is going to make me enjoy beating the Flames any less. 31 years in the making, and that's what you guys had? All you have left from that series is to complain about a non-goal call. If that happened to the Oilers, of course we'd be complaining about it. But guess what? They were still up 3-1 in that series. And guess what? Calgary still gave up leads en masse at home, and the Oilers found ways to win. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Tyler's, like, Calgary just wasn't very good. I said Tyler. Tyler's on my brain because I'm, I'm looking at this button. This is why. why
3: you kiss me?
2: He did kiss me. I got him. I got him in Los Angeles. In case you missed it, I did at Smashburger. It was like one in the morning. I got him. Grab him by the ears. Planted him one. <clears throat> Back to what I was saying the Oilers got through the series against Calgary because they were just the better team. They were just the better team. And at the end of the day, anything other than that, as like rhetoric or counter arguments from Flames fans or any other fan around around the league, the funniest thing to me is that the Oilers beat the Flames in the second round and the Leafs fans are saltier than anybody. They're salty about Hyman getting through Absolute domination in the second round. Six goals in five games. Maybe you could have done that at Toronto if they could ever get past the first round. But Leafs fans were just like, bah, The Oilers! You can't blah. I made a joke on the night that the Oilers beat Calgary in game five. I was like, just as it was always meant to be, the Edmonton Oilers are Canada's team. And the Leafs fans got lit up by this. Man, you guys were triggered. You guys are so easily triggered. Your team has not made it past the first round in like 20 years or whatever that is. 18 years. I made a joke and you guys were flipping. There's people that didn't even follow me that are answering me. There's people that don't follow me that are DMing me. So the sadness about your life is that you're Twitter searching people making fun of the Leafs to respond. That is pathetic. That's pathetic. For me, it's fun. For me, I had a good time. And that's where we're going to end off this first part of the podcast for my friends at the Audio Department. We're going to jump right into what's coming up next in the news. The news is brought to you by Arcadia Brewing. Go check them out at arcadiayeg.com or Arcadia Brew Co on Twitter, Arcadia Brewing Co if you're on Instagram. I recommend going out there and getting a a couple of cans, a whistling pig, or a pint of it. It's absolutely delicious. I haven't been out there in a little while. I need to get down there. so good. But if you're not in the mood for going out, check out my friends at Wine & Beyond, Liquor Depot, and Ace Liquor, where all 24-can packs of Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors Light, and Molson Canadian are on sale for $35.99 plus tax on game days throughout the playoffs. Go check them out. All right, into the news. What do we got? Well... As I mentioned, Edmonton Oilers are off to the Western Conference Finals Yeah! against the Colorado Avalanche. The Avs just beat the St. Louis Blues in six games. Darren Helm, former Red Wing, was the one that got the series winner right with, I think it was like five seconds left in the game. I was watching that. I thought they were going to OT for sure, and that game went in. Just shock all around. St. Louis Blues were stunned. They tried to call a timeout and try to make a play, but with five seconds left, what the fuck are you going to do, you know? Not a lot you can do. So first off, I want to start in the news. Uh, I got to give some love to my friend Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Obviously, we don't know each other, but heartbroken to see that his wife, Brie Nugent Hopkins, shared yesterday on Instagram that they lost their beloved dog, Sophie, after seven years. As somebody who's lived that, there's nothing worse. There really is nothing worse than losing your dog. And for the Nugent Hopkins, both of them, and everybody that knew the dog, really, um, sorry to hear that. Just awful news. There's nothing worse. I look at Frank all the time, and I just think about how much of a light he is in my life. That's what dogs do. They're the absolute best of us. We don't deserve them, but I'm very, very sorry to hear that news for Nuge and his wife, Bree. Um, on Twitter i want to go back to the last series for a second. I just asked a couple of questions. Where were you when McDavid scored? I wanted to hear your stories if you had any. So these are starting to trickle in a little bit. I'll be sure to check back in. Jason says, I was in my basement in Calgary, and I definitely yelled and woke up my kids and wife when the goal went in. Yep. I uh, said that today on the Real Life podcast, I just screamed on my TV, fuck you. Windows open. I assume that my neighbors thought there was some kind of like, I don't know. Some kind of screaming match happened. But really, it was just me standing three inches away from my TV screaming. Griffin said, I was at Roger's place for the watch party. The place went ballistic. Absolutely insane. That would have been fun. Shout out to everybody that went down to Roger's place for those watch parties. Because they were they doing that at the Saddle Dome? Or are Calgary fans so fair weather they wouldn't even have showed up anyway? Oh, just, just a thought. Looking at the line combos today from practice, Bob Stoffer tweeted out these. So I find this interesting. Drysaddle, McDavid, Hyman, Kane, Nuge, Yamamoto. So there's your top six. They flipped Hyman and they flipped Kane. Worked out in game five against Calgary. Will it work out the same against Colorado? Obviously, Colorado's got a deeper team up front. I think they've got better forwards than the Flames do. They've got Kale McCarr on the back end. He could be an X-factor. The others haven't faced anybody like him quite yet in the playoffs. Darcy Kemper, though, he hasn't played well he hasn't played well. A guy had a very very good regular season for the Avalanche. He has not had the same thing in the playoffs. Through two rounds, Kemper is only rocking a 904 save percentage in the second round specifically against St. Louis. He only faced 30 plus shots three times. The Oilers meanwhile, they had a couple of times where they hit 40. So what is going to what's Kemper going to look like with the increased workload and not to mention the St. Louis Blues as much as I love Vladimir Tarasenko, I think he's a hell of a player. Ryan O'Reilly crashes into a Tim Hortons like it's a it's like a loose puck in the crease. Those guys are hell of a hockey players, but they are not McDavid and they are not Drysidle. Looking at the defense, we got Nurse CeCe, Keith Bouchard, Kulak, Barry, Russell Brobergs are the extras. Up front, the extras are Shore, Broussard, Holloway, Turris, Malone, plus the rest of the Black Aces. I wonder when Devin Shore, if Devin Shore is going to get in. He hasn't played a minute yet in the playoffs, but after seeing Connor McDavid in the hallway post-game in Game 5, Devin Shore was the ultimate hype man. Did you guys see that video? All playoffs long, anytime they've shown Devin Shore post-game, he is fired up for the boys. He is fired up for the boys. He hasn't even played. Some guys, I would imagine, probably don't even want to show up for the rink when they're not playing. But Devin Shore, he was in the mix. I love it. I absolutely love it. Again, looking at the sports books, though, for our friends at Points Canada, right now the Oilers are underdogs in this series. Not exactly surprising. Everybody had the Colorado Avalanche locked in to win the Stanley Cup before the season even started, you know? Before the season even started. But from my perspective, this is, I just see another opportunity for the Oilers to embrace the underdog mentality. I see this as another opportunity where they can look at the opponent and say, listen, nobody expects us to do anything. Nobody. So, let's show them where the bear shits. Let's show them where the bear shits because this is an opportunity to do something fun. It's an opportunity to do something wild. I just, I can't, I can't get too, I can't get enough Excitement out of what's coming up for the Edmonton Oilers. This city is absolutely buzzing. I was at Rogers Place for Game 4. I think I must have talked about that on the last podcast. And it was electric in there. Now we're going to the Western Conference Finals. It's beautiful out. It's basically sunny 24-7. Come on. It doesn't get any better than that in this city. It doesn't get any more exciting than the opportunity to watch the Oilers do their thing against a very good hockey team. And you know what? Our team is playing pretty fucking well too. And if you look back to the time that Jay Woodcroft got brought in as head coach, from then until the end of the season, the Oilers and Avalanche almost identical in records. We'll take out the Tippett era of this series. Yeah, he started off 10-0, but then what happened? Being a tip, what do you think he's doing right now? I know he announced uh, more or less his retirement three seconds after he got gassed, but what do you think he's doing right now? Do you think he watches any of the games and wonders how the hell Jay Woodcroft is doing any of this? You know? That's all I can think about is Dave Tippett, probably a fan of hockey, I would imagine. I mean, he's been in it his whole life, even though he's not coaching. You think he watches the NHL playoffs? You think he sees his former team that had won only two that went 2-13 and 13 through December and part of January in the Western Conference Finals. By the way, those two wins came for Glenn Gellison as well when Tippett wasn't even on the bench. He lost a ton in that stretch. He lost a ton. And now that team that he couldn't get to do anything is going to the Western Conference Finals looking like a completely different squad, I might add. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild to think about. I'd love to know what Dave Tippett is doing. I'd love to know. What else is in the news? Not a whole lot, really. We've had a couple of days off. How about you guys? Have you enjoyed the time off? Because I have. I've gone to bed very, very early. Very, very early. As I'm recording this right now, the New York Rangers are up 2-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 7 of that series. That's midway through the first period, so plenty of time left to go on that. We'll check out the score as time goes through, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Tomorrow, we are starting a series that nobody expected us to be at. We're basically playing with house money right now. And expectations are low that the Oilers are going to beat Colorado, but I think that's perfect, especially after the way the last series went, especially after the way they absolutely shit-pumped the Calgary Flames. Again, a top-three defensive team all year that their starter – a Vesna trophy candidate allowed four plus in every single game of the series. This team can score and this team is vibing right now. And I think they've got a chance to make some noise. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not guaranteeing a win. Oilers in six, but what I am saying is this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a series that the Oilers actually, I think they match up pretty well against Colorado provided that they pay attention to the details and as long as Schmidty battles, so far, he is out-battled Jonathan Quick, who put together a hell of a series in, in round one. Jacob Markstrom, who I've mentioned a few times now, Vezina candidate, Dunzo. Dunzo. So tomorrow, we are looking at game one of that series. I'm super excited about it. And know what else I'm excited about? Look at all these 6 p.m. starts. Look at all these 6 p.m. starts. Game one, 6 p.m. mountain. So by the time the puck actually drops, it's probably going to be like 6.20, but that's fine. Game two, 6 p.m. Mountain. Game three, Saturday, 6 p.m. Mountain. Game four, Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain. I love it. That gives you time to get home from work. That gives you time to order some food. That gives you time to swing by my uh, my friends at Arcadia, grab some drinks, bring them home. Even a little bit of time for shenanigans post-game. Come on. What's not to like about this? Again, this is a very, very big, very, very good time to be alive as an Edmonton Oilers fan, and I'm just excited. I'm excited to get going here. I'm excited to see how this series plays out. I'm excited to see McDavid versus McKinnon. I think there's a lot to enjoy about this series. They've got so many good hockey players. It's going to be a lot of fun. Regardless of what happens on the ice, Oilers in six. I just think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. As a hockey fan my whole life, this is the kind of series you hope to see in the playoffs. And I'm hoping it's a long one. I'm hoping it's a long one. When I talked to Princey from Flames Nation a little while ago, we both thought that the Flames and Oilers were going to go 6 or 7. Didn't happen, but that's the way she goes. That's the way she goes. So tomorrow, Game 1, whatever you did for Game 5. I need you to redo that. So for me, I'm going to shave again. My friend last week that got a lime slurpee, I need you to get a lime slurpee again. Whatever your routine is, I need you to maintain that routine. And for that, I say thank you. And for that, we wrap up the news. The news is brought to you by Arcadia Brewing. Check them out at ArcadiaBrewing.yeg. Or ArcadiaYeg.com. Good lord. Let's try that again. ArcadiaYeg.com. Arcadia, Arcadia Brewco on Twitter. Arcadia Brewing Co if you're on Instagram. Check them out on the web. Check them out on Insta. They've got all their deals and events that they've got coming up right in there. And now I'm going to take a break. I'm going to welcome Awanye into the podcast for our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals.
1: Hello, you. Oh wow. Your ears look fantastic. You're listening to Better Late Than Never by
4: Bagged Milk. Yes. You're sexy as well. Oh, yes.
2: All right. We are back for Oil uh, Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, an established provider of oilfield rental tools with full-time operating units and provost, Weyburn, and Kindersley. Trilogy Oil Field also provides seasonal and project specific stations in Fort St. John, Fort McMurray, and Lac La Biche as customers require, whether you need rental tools, fishing tools, coil tools, drilling tools, all kinds of tools that I don't even know what they are. You go to trilogyrentals.ca. Wanye, what do you know about Trilogy Oil Field Rentals?
3: I actually speak with the folks at Trilogy on a very regular basis for management advice and general life advice. And I don't know all this is a service they provide to other people, but if you holler at the main office with like a general life problem, they're very good to me over a trilogy. I'll tell you that much for real.
2: They're very good to me as well. I've gotten advice. I've gotten just some uh, some some details on some scotches to buy for people because I don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten I've gotten some gambling tips, some F one tips. They've got all kinds of advice over a trilogy. Wanya, what do you make of this? Oilers are going to the Western Conference Finals starting tomorrow.
3: I just, driving back to Wanya Manor to record this show, bumped into a friend of mine on the road. And so we like pulled over and hugged it out. And I'm like, I swear I haven't seen you since the 2006 Cup run. And he's like, probably. I moved away in 07. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so we're like, this is a great sign. The oil are going to the cup finals because we just like, I haven't seen this guy since 06. I was in a 06 frame of mind running into this guy. So what do I make of it? We're going to the cup final, baby.
2: Got four wins to go to get there. I don't give a
3: fuck if people are like, you know, you can't talk like that. No, you know what? There's a time in your life where you need to start to be confident. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to do anything. You have to be confident in Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, two of the greatest athletes in the world. It's not like we're asking you, John Q, Oilers fan, to go to the cup final. All you have to do is sit back and eat chips.
2: Well, honestly, I think it, it bodes well for the Oilers that they really don't have a whole lot of pressure. Colorado has all the pressure on them, just like in the last series against Calgary. Nobody, including Wayne fucking Gretzky, picked the Oilers to win that series, except Mark Messier. Shout out to the Moose.
3: You and I picked them to win. Of course we did. Of well, we did. Not nobody.
2: I just think that the lack of pressure, it just helps. They can go in there free, baby. Connor I remember tweeting. Thing.
3: Sorry, go ahead. I was going
2: to say Connor could do his thing. Leon could do his thing. They're just going to be buzzing around. We're going to love it. Full erections throughout the next two weeks. I'm excited.
3: When the Oilers were, went down in the series to the Kings, I tweeted the next day as OilersNation.com. I refuse to believe the Oilers are going to lose to the Kings. RT, if you agree. And if you go back and look at how many remaining souls on the bandwagon we were at, it was like 40 retweets. Yep. And Surveyor Brett, friend of the show, heart of gold, was like, "Uh, I don't know about retweeting this one. Yeah. I was like, oh, really? So I told him off.
2: I had a very similar one where after they lost, what would that have been? Game five? I just said oilers and seven, it's coming. And the amount of shit I took for predicting Oilers and Seven was it's like a little adversity, never hurt nobody, especially when you saw that look in Connor's eyes after they lost game five. You knew they were Yes man.
3: Yes, these little bitches that are on social media and never done anything or gone anywhere. So they don't know what adversity looks like or how to overcome shit. This is what has to happen for you to become great.
2: Yeah. And that's another reason why I think the Oilers match up well against the Avalanche. The Avalanche hadn't have any kind of adversity throughout this. They've lost what one game so far. They haven't lived it. We've lived it.
3: Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Mike I feel like Colorado is like, yeah, look at us. Pow.
2: Yeah. They have not faced a Connor. They have not faced a Leon. They have not faced an Evander Kane. Who's just on smoking hot. The Oilers have got contributions coming from all over and I'm excited. All over.
3: Them face the Zach Hyman, who's just on fire and smiling and crushing people left and right, forechecking checking like a man possessed.
2: Outside of what's going on on the ice, which is obviously exciting, we're going to the Western Conference final starting tomorrow. What about what do you make of the city? The city's just a better place when the Oilers are in the playoffs. It's
3: gonna be a lot of babies in nine months, man. Everybody's oh, looking absolutely. good. Everybody's driving looking up really and down good. these streets. I see the crowds, I see the people, I see the smiling, happy faces. You look on the scoreboard, I've never seen happier Edmontonians in memory.
2: The jerseys out in the wild, car flags everywhere across everywhere. the street from me. There's just, there's, I live in a, next to a, a, a townhouse complex and they're just hanging Oilers flags off the balconies. I love it. That stuff was not happening in December or January. First of all, it's freezing fucking cold. Second, the Oilers could not win a game to save their life. And now the turnaround is just all part of a spectacular story that is going to lead us to Lord
3: Stanley. Do you think the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup?
2: The longer this goes, the more I believe that it's possible. Yeah, the that is not goes, an
3: answer to the question I asked you. Yeah, let me. Yeah, ask. I do. You do. I think they
2: can. I think they absolutely can. They're oh. playing at the top of their game. Woodcroft made has that got noise in a
3: while. That's what she said.
2: Woodcroft's got some kind of magic going on, and how can you not believe in this dude? He's super positive. He's very eloquent when he speaks. His fucking power stance is legendary. It's all lining up. It's all lining up.
3: What do you need to see to like put the bag milk locked down that the Oilers are going to win the Cup?
2: If the Oilers win game one, uh,
3: I'm thinking they're through. You think if the Oilers win game one against Colorado, they'll be in the Cup Finals?
2: Yep. Because that'll be the first time Colorado's been on the ropes at all. And I think that that's the first step the boys need. Hey, like you said, nobody's like, there's, you got to plan until you get punched in the face or whatever the yep. quote is from Mike Tyson. If yep. they can come out and give him a How straight shots in the nose, well, it might have been her. I'm pretty sure she might that have also broad. said that. Yep, yep. She's known for swinging uh, for <laughs> the shoelaces. But I think that if they get this first one or if they split in Colorado, all of a sudden, this is a series that lines up perfectly for our boys. And it's exciting. It's exciting. If you draw
3: up the uh, dream scenarios for the Oilers to win a mm-hmm. Stanley Cup, and it includes defeating the other Wayne Gretzky statue in LA.
2: Of course, done.
3: Whipping the neighbors down south handily. Walking into a team in Colorado that's only lost one game so far that Mm -hmm. used to shit on us in the late 90s, early 0s, every time we faced them. Yep. Then play the hottest modern-day goalie, arguably one of the top five goalies ever, should Tampa get through the final. A team who won a cup on our ice before we got a chance to play on our ice. Story's all there. Fucking scenario.
2: The story's all there. The pieces are there. Now we just need the boys to put it together. And looking at the way Connor and Leon are playing, there's no two maestros that can sing me a song better than those two.
3: How can you say the others are just one guy when two guys are leading in points and they're tied? Well, that's a
2: weird thing. Like I, I didn't understand the flames logic there. Like, are you just trying to poke the bear? Because you did. And he fucking gave you the claws.
3: I can explain it. It's Go mean, it. but I can explain it to you. I want to hear it. They don't know what's going on because they're stupid. (laughs) They can't correctly read the situation. They don't know who they're facing. They don't know how to analyze what's going on because they are intellectually inferior and physically inferior. Johnny Goudreau, what is he? Five foot one? He looks sickly. Yeah,
2: he plays four foot two, too. He's just a non factor What did you make of that series against Calgary? Because first one in 31 years, we heard about it in the whole time leading up. All the talking heads say the Calgary flame blah, blah, blah. They're going through. And then mm-hmm. the Oilers dropped the first one. Admittedly, it was a little bit ugly. But then from there, they just ran the show. Ran the table. It was unbelievable. I was most nervous, I think, about that series over anything else that happens in the playoffs because I did not want to feel what the Flames fans are feeling right now. In that, no matter what happens, we're just going to be dunking on Calgary from now until eternity for what just happened because they were... They limped into it and they limped out of it like a fart in the wind. They disappeared and stunk on the way out.
3: <laughs> I really don't understand what happened to Jacob Markstrom. I don't either. Like I remember going into that, how few goals he'd allowed and how crazy he mm-hmm. was been playing, and how he the storyline of picking Calgary over Edmonton. And then I remember Game One, them you know giving up six goals, and everyone being like huh, that's really interesting that Markstrom gave up that many goals. I remember thinking to myself at the time, if he could give up that many goals, the question is, will the Oilers always let in nine? And if the answer is no, they're probably going to win this series. And that's what ended up happening.
2: That's exactly what happened. He was from the jump, even though they won that first game, he just didn't look good. He didn't look right. His glove hand was weak. They were burning him up and down the ice. And he allowed four plus in all five games. That's yeah. a mezzanine candidate and they chased him yeah. on domination. Like
3: Kemper isn't that good.
2: Through two series so far he has a 904 which is as mediocre as it gets.
3: Like and, you're not ready for Connor with this cool beard and then one eight, one-legged Leon to destroy you son.
2: No, and to take it further, he only faced 30 plus shots three times against the St. Louis Blues in six games. The Oilers were pumping 30 shots per night, no problem. And like you said, Connor and Leon, baby, they are on fire. They have already passed the totals from prior con Smythe winners in Stanley yeah. Cup runs past. Yeah. Those guys are this freaks. is why I'm
3: starting to this is why I'm starting to think the old might win the cup, man. Because these guys are like their output is prodigious at this point, point. Mm-hmm. and so you've got Connor and Leon world bending stats. Then you've got Hyman and Kane, were both on fucking fire. Mm-hmm. That doesn't include the Nuge, who has a hat trick. He um, that doesn't. In- mm?
2: How happy are you
3: for that guy? Wow. Well. I'm happier for you than I am for him. He's been getting all these M's all these years where yep. we've been getting them T's, and it's been a long time coming for the nudes because he has put up with a lot. He is a saint.
2: I was at uh, game four at Rogers Place when he scored both, uh, like the bookends, first one and then the last one. And one of my favorite parts about Oilers fans is this shtick has gone on for so long yeah. that anytime Ryan Nugent Hopkins does anything, it's like I did it. Yep. So, my mentions just erupt and I. Oh, that used to be it. how
3: it was with me and my sweet Prince Jordan. <laughs> yep. Now he's in Seattle. Well, he doesn't do much there.
2: No, he doesn't do a whole lot. Great beard, though. Probably oh, a
3: good man. He's a good, good man, Jordan Everly. Damn. If there's a guy the all should get back at the end of his career just to have around to be a good, good man, it's Jordan Everly. I wish players? he was here for all this. I wish so badly they hadn't got rid of him. And oh, he was still here with the nudge he, There's room for him on this team. Fuck. Of course there is. I nah, can't have it is. at all, Bag milk. Where would you put it?
2: Well, we'd find a way. We'd find a way. What other others do you think you, what other others do you wish were a part of it? Like just, man, Sam Gagne comes to mind. I wish you were part of it. You got to for Detroit for address Athens, you. We fucking beat yeah. him in round one.
3: Fuck that. Yanni guy. Ninema. I'll never forget how happy he was in his Oilers picture and how miserable he looked in his Islanders picture the next year. I wish Yanni Nenema were still here.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh-huh.
3: I love Yanni Ninema.
2: There's a lot of those old guys. What's one of my favorite parts about going to Rogers' place right now during the playoffs is seeing some of those old jerseys that have appeared out of the wild. Yeah. So far I've seen a Ty ratty, hilarious. Decent. I saw a happy bulin,
3: hilarious. Decent.
2: I, we, we've always said this, we've said it a bunch of times, probably not on podcast, but like real fans have bad jerseys, I find.
3: Oh yeah, I got uh, well, I don't consider it a bad jersey. I got a Yakupov 64 unironically, I'll wear' Classic. that a thing yeah. of course.
2: I wish he was here to see this.:
3: Any oiler who gets themselves in the NHL to the point that they make a jersey with your name on it, that's nothing to be embarrassed of.: Of course not. Of course yeah, not. Have you seen the Stradwick jersey? The guy sits there quite regularly on the TV. You can see his back to, in the right-hand side of the arena when they go to Oilers games.
2: No, is it Jay?
3: Uh, no.
2: Yeah, Stradwick jersey is legit.
3: But there's a guy that always sits at Oilers home games when they're showing center ice. He's on the right-hand side blue line in the lower bowl, and he stands up a ton during play. And I always see the old strutty 43. It's like he still plays with the team.
2: I love it. I was listening to him today on the Gregor show. He makes good points about what needs to get done here. I trust Ready.
3: What did you think about Connor jumping up and down and smiling the smile of a man who is happy coming down the uh, uh, dressing room runway?
2: First of all, First thought, first thought that came to my head is Devin Shore is fired up and he hasn't played one lick in these playoffs. Good for him. Second, yeah, I was true. so excited for Connor. He never shows that side of himself and just the pure elation, the pure joy on his face. He's jumping up and down. He's talking to Scott Oak and he's smiling as wide as he possibly can. And I, didn't believe it. I, I just, I loved it. I was so happy for him because for that guy, he probably enjoyed it for about six minutes and they went right back to business.
3: I loved it It was uh, an interesting side of Connor that we have yet to see. And you have to wonder, I mean, obviously he's not going to be happy unless he is very, very close to his life goals mm-hmm. and he's getting there, man. He's eight wins away. Think of all the work we're talking about this today in real life. Yep. Think of all the work Connor's done in his life in hockey and athleticism and all the times he didn't eat fries and all the times he got up early to work out and all the things he sacrificed, and all the moments of normalcy that he said no to, mm-hmm. he is eight motherfucking wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. He and is close.
2: The The most amazing thing to me about, he won the game, he obviously got the game winner against Calgary. Great goal, celebration was amazing, fired up beyond, all rec- like beyond anything I would have expected from him. And then he says to Scott Oak, I was just happy to contribute because I don't think I played very well.
3: Well, Connor, it is an interesting window into your self-talk that you're as good as you are talking shitty to yourself.
2: Oh, well, no matter how much you criticize Connor McDavid, it's clear that he is way harder on himself than anyone possibly could be.
3: That's, that's crazy. Also- Cause Michael Jordan wasn't like that. Hey, Michael no. Jordan didn't ever talk down to himself and say he was shitty. No, he, he always just, thought about how him destroying everybody was his God-given mission.
2: He just gave it to everybody else, really.
3: And so it's interesting thing- that Connor is as off the chains good as he is, and yet still talks to himself like that. I don't see Tom Brady. Well, maybe Tom Brady calls himself a piece of shit. Who knows?
2: The evolution of Connor throughout the playoffs has been interesting too, where he's like he's gone full-on captain mode. Going to congratulate Yessa after a big goal, giving him the helmet shake and gave him some nice words, grabbing Nuge after the game and giving him one of those cuddles that just like melted Oilers fans' hearts everywhere. He is, he's blossoming as a captain in this run as well. Not only is he playing out of his goddamn mind, the guy is an absolute freak on a nightly basis.
3: But he's got new moves, man, but he's never, yes, I, he does this move now where he'll like do a spin move off a guy. Yes. Somehow or other, he's already skating, fast as fuck. And then a D-man comes over or a forward back checks and then suddenly does like a spin move off of him. And it's like slinging around the moon and like picking up the gravity well and coming back three times quicker. He somehow like blows off these guys going faster than he was before. I have never seen this in my life. And he's done it probably 10 times in the playoffs so far.
2: I think of a goal that he scored and I think it was game two. When Zadorov came to hit him, and he just bounced off him. That's a big fucking Russian we're talking about coming down on Connor. He just boink, bounced off him. Dangles Markstrom, ain't no thing. Oilers on the board ended up coming back to win. The guy, a hundred percent agree with you. Has he been saving these moves, or is he learning new moves? He's like Neo in the Matrix. He's fucking. I think he's, he's learning the- new stuff.
3: I think Connor's like thinking so far down the road with his like planning for games. He's like, I'm going to save some shit so that when I start doing these spinja moves, that's what I call them. Spinjas. Makes sense to me. They, by the time they figure out an antidote to this, I'll be through to the next round.
2: Throughout the last round, you were doing the uh, BOA banter with Princey down at flames nation. Thank um, and Coomsy, they were fun, but like, what was it like from your side where you were able to just, you were just able to shit on Princey all you want? Well, really?
3: it, it mutated quickly, right? Like I, in my mind, I was just going to dunk on some putts, right? <laughs> and then game one, it was good, right? Because yeah. it was like, you know, spirited affair. But then a few things happened. One, I realized I actually like Princey, which is yeah. dirty to say. Yeah. So I didn't really want to be mean to him because I, I said something mean to him after the one game. And it's just like the look on his face, he, was, he wasn't like, oh, <laughs> he was just like, oh. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it, Princey, I'm sorry. So there was that. I actually ended up like, identifying with my enemy, whatever that's called. Um, and then game three he didn't show. <laughs> he just fucking fanned it. So after that, I was like, Wow, well, that's whack. So I got to be nice to him. Otherwise, he's going to fan me over and over again.
2: Well, game three. Yeah, he ended up going to the game. And I think he got pretty buckled that night, as we tend to do. So yeah. he's fitting in nicely. Shout Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> hey, I think Prince is great. We got to the end. I was like, you want to um, do Battle of Alberta banter in the next round? He's like, but it's not the Battle of Alberta. I'm like, no, that's cool. I was joking.
2: <laughs>
3: but Check we're going his... to do some sort of post game show you want us to keep going you're the boss of course
2: i i enjoy them it's it was fun to just sit and listen to you and Coombsy riff and then princey was in there from a flame's perspective is fun obviously it's way more fun because between... we were winning that series quite Amen. handily
3: but i don't know uh, what the I difference is between our show and zach and Waz's show
2: different tone entirely different spirit of it uh theirs is much more analytical and review-based whereas you guys were just you were talking you were just jamming you're just jamming i think there's plenty of room for both i like it i like having the different content i like having different takes from people just giving their opinion and it's fun to consume some of the stuff And rather than having to be involved in every single thing it was good for me
3: oh yeah no for sure you are uh the Ryan Seacrest of Oilers Nation. You're on every show on both coasts. Way too many shows, to be honest. Oh, well. Didn't you just start a new show with no one asking you to start the show, though?
2: <laughs> yeah, yep, a gambling podcast with Tyler and Liam. I see. I yep. see. Yes, of course. I uh, Well, also, you know. I also love to find out that during Game 5, uh, Liam ate four stress bananas, this which is, is, is turning into one of my favorite things ever.
3: I heard about this on Twitter, and like just the joke of you eat a banana when you're stressed the sexual imagery that i can derive from this and i'm like i can't hit him with it i'm too a we work together and b i don't think he even knows what he's saying he's just like i just gobbled down those bananas i'm like i don't think that you should say it like that i think that kids are gonna make fun of you if you talk like that poor like that. old liam
2: I like that his mom buys them for like smoothies or some shit. Liam's just powering through them because there's a sweetness to it, right? He goes to his parents' house to watch the game with oh his dad. But then as, as the game is going on, he's just powering through bananas. All we used to be a in proper the world, country
3: and used to get drunk with your dad watching baseball bat- <laughs> yeah. or hockey games, not yeah. smashing back a bushel of bananas.
2: That is one thing that I have not been prepared for for the playoffs is just the amount of alcohol I've consumed over the last four weeks. I have gotten every pandemic kind of delayed time release drinking party out over these last few weeks. Cause I'm just putting them back after game four, God bless him. I went into the pint. I stormed through the back room thinking oh. there was going to be a lineup up front. There was nobody in the bar yet. I was the first one there from Rogers place after that win, but then what did you do? Run? Basically I text Rick. I'm like, I'm on my way. And he's like, I'll see you in the cooler. I'm what like, the fucking fuck? Right. So you
3: made it first out of all the fans and Rogers plays with the pint.
2: It felt that way. Cause I didn't even bother going around the front. I just walked right through the back thinking that I was going to have a, a, line to contend with next thing, you know, me and Rick are in a tender embrace for a minute
3: or two in Good the back room. Gravy like Connor in the nude. Exactly
2: like that. You know what? We both earned it. And then those shots that came afterward, well, that marked a quick exit for me from the pint because i went from being tipsy to oh i need to get home in a real hurry
3: <laughs> that's playoffs baby uh, did you get to stop for a bite to eat the way home in the uber
2: uh no he wouldn't stop for me actually so i got he home and wouldn't i wouldn't
3: stop what the <laughs> no, fuck are you my no. uncle driving me home from yeah. a dance yeah, are you, you a fucking stop. uber
2: <laughs> you my stop.
3: On uber is 1.6 ps unrelated
2: my rating has dropped significantly because I argued with a guy. I wanted to eat chicken in the back of his car. And he's yeah. like, You cannot eat chicken. And I was like, I was getting mad about it. But ultimately, would you think back? It was, it's your car, man. I'm not going to eat chicken yeah. in your car. But It actually
3: is his car. It's not like it's, he's a yeah. taxi driver and it's someone at the service's car. This is actually his car. Well, if you don't want people eating chicken in your car, don't put chicken eating on as an option, Mr. Uber.
2: Mm-hmm. And also, surge pricing in the playoffs has been wild. It's about twenty bucks to get to my house to downtown. Generally, twenty twenty five. That night, I think I paid fifty something to get home. Oh
3: my goodness! Yeah,
2: that's also the reason, though, that after one of the games I was at, I wanted to go home. I was ready. I just needed to, and it was triple the price. So instead of getting in the Uber, I started walking down Jasper Ave. I ended up making yeah. it to one hundred and forty second Street before I got in the Uber at an appropriate price. That is a oh, hefty wow. trek. I was at, I was I was staring. I was Kitty Corner from Blue Chicago. I could see it. The parking I can lot.
3: see I can see where you were in my mind there. You were right, yeah, the new tower. Mm-hmm. One time back in the day when you couldn't get Ubers, you could only get taxis. Jay and I were on White Avenue. There was a blizzard, and we're like, man, this is dangerous because we don't have a car. We're sheet 10 sheets to the wind. I'm like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to the university hospital. For sure as shit there'll be cabs there. Yep. So we go there and it's like snowing and there's no one on the road. And yet we managed to close the bar down. I swear we didn't get home until like six in the morning, man. Like there was no traffic on the road. We're out in like wheelchair races in the abandoned lobby of the the university hospital and shit. Finally, a taxi came. Man, you kids today. Before Uber, it was dark times. There is no excuse in this day and age for drinking and driving.
2: Absolutely. Back in the day,
3: people drink and drive because it was like minus 90 out. And like you had to mill around outside until a taxi came. You could legitimately freeze.
2: Yep. Not anymore. Now not I anymore. have a bunch of apps on your phone and you see who's cheapest or who's going to show you up. Call,
3: if you explain this to me when I was waiting at the university hospital that day, that in the future, we'd all carry around cubes of glass in our pocket and everyone's car is a taxi. I'd be like, what are you talking about future me? That's I what I didn't th- even
2: think of like a time. There was not that long ago, five, six years ago where I went to Guar. I remember outside of union hall and it was like minus 30 in January and we could not get a cab at all. Yeah, just stood there and froze.
3: Froze, man. Like I can legitimately remember being on White Avenue. I can't remember where we were. I think we were a billiard club, and I was like, "I may freeze." There's nowhere to wait. Right? There was no at the time for whatever reason. I am hammered in the story, but I was like, I suppose like I could have got a burger at Mike's Stone Air. But this is me now, sober, thinking about this a decade later. I don't remember what was going on at the time. But, like, freezing to death in the snow while waiting for a taxi was a legitimate concern of a bargoer.
2: Yep, 100%. What do you make of uh, what's going on downtown with, like, the moss pit and all that stuff? Because last time the Oilers were this far, 2006, we all went to White Ave. There was fires in the middle of the fucking road. Obviously, they learned some lessons from that. We moved it over to the moss pit. But downtown right now is – downtown is bumping on Oilers game nights.
3: It needs it right? I mean, there's the happiness for Oilers fans, and then there's the happiness for the Downtown Business Association. 100%. The
2: hospitality industry deserves
3: this. They deserve it, and they need it. And just the streets of downtown need it because they're becoming a pretty unsafe place for a lot of folks. And so having a lot of happy Oilers jerseys and eyes on the prize down there, I think is good for overall safety and security. And then having uh, patios and businesses filled with people is good too, just to get more life milling around.
2: Well, it's like I said, I went to the pine after game four. And while I was the first person there, eventually it was just a bunch of people showed up and on a Tuesday night, you got a packed house and everybody's celebrating. And everybody's buying a cocktail.
3: Huge long-time pint customer, long-time pint owner. I am very happy to see what's happening in both pints right now. It is undoing a lot of damage, man. I remember... uh, So Jay and I had a bar uh, called Blue Chicago from 2004 to Christmas 2005. And we ended up not renewing our lease. So... Basically, we weren't making any money and the landlord wanted the building knocked down because at the time there was supposed to be an LRT station going in there. We didn't know any of this, right? We put all our money into a bar we we're 23 and lived like icons for the next 18 months despite it doing terribly. And I remember then watching how the 06 Cup run, how much money was made in bars in Edmonton it was insane. Like Hudson's White Ave made so much money, they opened four more Hudson's, right? And right now you need a cup run just to dig the bars of Edmonton that survived the pandemic out. Sure. And they're so lucky to be getting one. It's so great.
2: Oh, it's amazing. Like I said, I've been, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of different spots, even just like getting a reservation for dinner and you can't get anything until nine o'clock. Like I it's I'm happy for all those people down there. Cause first of all, Edmonton's like it's food scene. It's pub scene. It's like, it's come to life. Over the last well, but there's like years. Uh, and then extremely
3: now, high, yeah. Sorry, go and ahead. then
2: now you've got the people that have hung on and managed to fight through it, and I, I'm really, really happy for them.
3: I'd say 30 percent of the restaurants and bars in town are gone from 2019. Wow. Maybe more. Maybe it's 40 percent. And of the 60 percent who lived through it, none have done well. Not right? Sure. Like the pint is the busiest bar on earth downtown. Right. Yep. And I remember sneaking in to see Rick when they were only doing wing orders and like twirling around on the dance floor. Cause I hadn't had a customer through the door in like eight weeks. Yeah. And I was like, Rick, can I do the Dougie by myself? He's like, do whatever you want, man. This place ain't opened up for a thousand years. So to go from that to the biggest lineup I have ever in my life seen at the Pine, And I'm sure they won't care if I say this, the highest day sales of its entire operation. Thank God, because it is yep. needed. Yeah.
2: I remember after Game 7, um, again, Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, thank you for the tickets to Game 7 against LA, went to the pint afterwards, and I'm outside having a drunken dart, as I like to do, because they don't count. I feel like you hammered. just
3: admitted to doing heroin. It's like shocking to hear somebody say they smoked a cigarette in 2022.
2: Yeah, well, if <laughs> you that... did, bag milk, with. If you're that hammered, they don't count. That's my rule anyway. Oh, I,
3: shit. Nothing counts in a cup run.
2: I'm looking at the line, though, to your point, out the pint, because, and I'm just looking at it, and it's all the way down the street.
3: All the way. Man, the line. line. So I drove by honking in tri- triumph, and the line from the pint and the line from Greta met in the middle. Yeah, I bet it did. That's crazy. That means that means there's 400 people in line between the two places. Yep. And their capacity is only six hundred between them. Yep. No, a grand between them. A thousand. It's amazing. So that's crazy. It's amazing. I love seeing it.
2: And it's just even O2s
3: have a line bag, milk. o twos. Of course. That's basically a... ten feet in front of a bottle depot in the supply chain of life.
2: Absolutely. What about the it's noodle? not really there, a bar. It's just how's where you go the... to get booze. How's the noodle of the 109
3: doing? Uh good. Yeah, no. I mean it's not open late or anything. But uh it has had its difficulties that's for sure i mean downtown has been it's a handful man
4: yeah
3: it's a handful i mean i have fortunate enough to be involved with a handful of downtown businesses and i can tell you none of them are kicking ass that's for sure
2: well it's like you said this cup run couldn't have come at a better time to kind of prop some of them up a little bit exactly just dig out of that hole so here's hoping it continues forever and that we're celebrating well into
3: august I love it. I think that's, uh, I don't know, man. I can't believe you said the only was going to win the cup. That is so crazy. I make. just,
2: I feel like I, it's, it's a possibility because of how things are lining up. You get through LA. Everybody thought they should a little bit of adversity in there, but you'd get the job done. Anyway, Connor puts a team on his back and fucks and drags them forward. Round two, Battle of Alberta. Everybody is excited. Everybody thinks Calgary is going to win. Everybody, including the greatest Edmonton Oiler of all time, not named Connor McDavid. What do they do? They just steamroll them. Oilers in five? I picked the Oilers to win too, but I said Oilers in seven. They're just like, that's too slow for me. I'd rather get this done now. Okay. And now they go up against the team that's been the favorite all year, and I think they match up well.
3: We need to lose game one. I need to win game one. I want to Mike put... Smith. I hear my logic on this one. Go ahead. Mike Smith only plays well when he's been embarrassed,
2: but here's why I think he's already been embarrassed and it's ingrained. The Oilers tried to trade for Darcy Kemper to replace Mike Smith. I talked to Frank <laughs> Saravalli about it. I talked to Frank about it. They tried uh... to sign Jacob Markstrom. And then they came back to Smith once he signed in Calgary. They tried to trade for Kemper to get Mike Smith replaced with an upgrade. So what you don't think nothing. Now he's in Colorado. They tried to get him from Minnesota. Oh. He went to Colorado
3: instead. You don't think Mike Smith knows that? You don't think he's in a oh, Mike down Smith is egg? as petty as pe- Mike Smith is more petty than race car driver Richard's petty. Of course. Okay. So he knows that and he is mad. But I just feel like you need to let in a bloop duper from center ice again or some shit. And then he'll be like, what? Fuck you. And you'll get 10 shutouts in a row. I, I uh,
2: that, so that game in game four, when the puck went in from a hundred and whatever feet it was, hundred thirty two feet, man, that happened right in front of me. And you could like, you could almost tell Mike Smith was yelling at the puck as it was going past him. I love when he gets angry
3: like that, man. Now that I know who Mike Smith is, I can like filter it out a little bit more, but even afterwards in the post game presser where uh, he's like, yeah, no, like I lost the puck. And like a lot of people (laughs) said they lost it too. I'm like, no, nobody said that to you. I guarantee you, nobody said that to you, Mike Smith. I guarantee Uh... you, you are calling in fake friends that don't exist. A lot of people were saying that that puck was hard to see. No, they weren't.
2: Or it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, yeah, I lost it too, Mike. I, uh, I completely get it. You know? Like I can whatever. see
3: for some reason the visual of Mike Smith winning the cup.
2: I can't. I can see his angry. long
3: stringy ass hair mm-hmm. and I can see his long beard and I can see him just pumping this fucking cup over his 41 year old head. And I can see it. I can see maybe it's the future sending the vibes back to me. And the first vibe that arrives is this image of Mike Smith pumping the cup over his head. I can also see Connor winning a cup. I can see the visual. I think that somebody made a Photoshop of it years ago, taking the Gretzky 1984 yeah. cup and yeah. Connor's head on top of it. So I, I stared at that every night before bed for about two years. So that mm-hmm. may have been the reason why I can see it so easily, but I can also see Leon though, winning a cup pumping it over his head.
2: Fuck. The vision I've had that I've seen in my head, and it's going to be very on brand too, was Gary Bettman calls Connor over. He grabs yeah. the cup, lifts it up, Gives it to Leon who gives it to Ryan Nugent Hopkins and the place and everybody at Rogers place goes insane. When Nugent grabs it, holds it over his head. You imagine the others are going to win the cup at home. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs)
1: Oh
3: boy.
2: Game six at home. That's what I'm saying.
3: Oh dear.
2: And then what happens after that? I am going to be naked at the pint. Just completely nude, greased up, daring everybody to tackle me.
3: I'll cry. I'll cry for the first time since the others lost the cup in 2006, which was the first time I'd cried since grade six. These are about 18, 16-year increments between all of them, so I am due for crying.
2: Hey, it makes sense. It makes sense. The math works. Uh, I mentioned you were coming on quickly on Instagram. So I've got a couple of huh. questions for you here. <laughs> Alex wants to know, do you have any game day superstitions? Just like bag milk says he is now shaving on game days after going the first five games without against Los
3: Angeles. Alex, I'm a Jenga of neuroses. Of course I have game day su- su- superstitions. Okay. Here's what's cracking right now. I took the McDavid jersey off that I was wearing and put it on the banner of my staircase Mm -hmm. when they lost to L.A., their first loss against L.A. That jersey has not been touched since. There is a sticky note, not on the jersey, beside the jersey on the railing that says, do not touch with an arrow. Should any of the many staff of Wanye Manor become confused (laughs) and think they should clean, there is a note besides said jersey saying do not touch Mm -hmm. i have made it a point in my life to pretty much since about 2014 i'm always wearing either nation gear or an oilers logo at all times this includes uh, the rare instances i wear a suit i have an oilers pin right so my superstition level i've been rocking in nation gear or an oilers jersey in support of this cup run for longer than I care to remember. So I've got that going for me. I also, in the entire series against LA, did not sit down once watching on TV. (laughs) I have witnesses to this (laughs) who are like, man, how do you just stand there rocking back and forth? I'm like, I'm trying not to yell because Juan Jr. is asleep most times right above the thing. Mm -hmm. I can't, like, I have too much energy and I can't talk or yell. Like, what do you want me to do? So I stand and like rock back and forth. It's very bizarre.
2: I've been uh, like, just like a cartoon character. I'm almost, almost expecting to wear out uh, like a strip out in the carpet in my house. Cause yeah. I pace, I've been pacing like crazy back and forth, like a fucking psycho. Or I've got the Jay Woodcroft power pose, hands on the hips, three inches from the TV studying as close as I can possibly get.
3: Do you want to hear something funny? That's pretty much what you're talking about. Nice. I had, uh, <laughs> A guy came out to look at restaining the hardwood in my house. Yeah. And I am like, you know, doing things or whatever. And he comes back, he goes, weird. Do you pace around a lot? (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you can see a figure eight. Look. And we like got down like near the floor and the way the light was, you could fucking see the figure eight pandemic pace route. I've been wandering around my house in while on phone calls to the point the floor guy noticed. How bad is that?
2: I, I mean, if I had flooring like yours, I bet I would have the same thing. Because during the pandemic, I, I can do, I can see the L shape that I walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth when I'm on the phone.
3: What a life we've lived, bag milk.
2: Well, it's been wild. It's been wild. That's why I think like I've just gone completely <clears throat> berserk with all the parties over these last three weeks, four weeks. So I'm I glad go for say-
3: you. I'm glad for you. I'm glad you got it out.
2: I'm glad, too, in a sense. Uh, I mean, the body's probably not as happy with me as it could be. Nah, the soul is. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that.
3: If you're going to win the fucking cup at home, you better believe I'll be there.
2: Oh, I have to. 100%. Any other uh, superstitions? You mentioned one today on Real Life that I wanted to walk through with you because I find it very oh, interesting. Oh, hiding around the corner? Yes. I need to know how this works.
3: Should I told the full story?
2: Oh, yeah. I wanna hear. Yeah, it.
3: well, a good friend of ours, Brian Sutherby, is former NHL player, scout for the Washington Capitals. And I was talking to him after the series against LA and telling him how I don't sit down, I just wave back and forth like a bloody sunflower in a windstorm. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I do crazy shit, too. He's like, I won't watch playoff games with the lights on. Like, why? He's like, the light makes me squint, he said. (laughs) Which I don't (laughs) even know what that means. He told me that he'll put a pillow down in front of his TV and, like, spend the period in prayer with, like, his hands clasped on his knees just praying the entire time. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. He's like, but now I got this new thing I do. Where I stand in the other room with my back against the wall, and then I look around the door, and then I pop back. And then I, I'm like, what? So you're like, look around the corner like a cop in a gunfight? He's like, exactly. I'm like, well, why don't you want to look at the TV? He's like, the bad vibes can't get me if I'm not looking because I'm around the corner. <laughs> I'm like, holy fuck. I'd say you're crazy, but you played the World Juniors, so whatever you're doing must be right. So I've adopted that. So in overtime against Calgary in game five, even though I really wasn't that stressed out, just to try to entertain myself, I was uh, in the next room looking around the corner, but I could also see it in a reflection of my China hutch. So I was kind of looking at that too. So I have that going for me.
2: I love the superstitions that are coming out. Like on the voicemail last week, I heard from somebody who now, because they did it in game three, they have to drink a lime Slurpee every single game. Yeah, it's just everybody's doing their part to put out the positive vibes into the universe, and I love it. I love. Oh, six pepper and me
3: and Jay. There was a Bud Light promotion that year where they were giving away uh, hats of everybody in the playoffs. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: There was. I never saw an Oilers hat, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but we convinced ourselves that twenty-four Bud Lights each was good luck if we drank them on game days (laughs) and we're like fuck and we got to wear the hats so we would wear all the hats like piled up on top of them and drink 24 beers for luck (laughs) and I'll be damned if we didn't go to game 7 that
2: year well I might have to go out and find me some BLs with a couple of hats
3: you know they reintroduced that hat deal boy we were like these idiots these hats are worth $30 easy Plus, you get beer. Like, what a dumb, dumb bunch of idiots.
2: Uh, I love it. Oh. I, love, I love that people are wearing the same jerseys or not or changing hoodies or not. Everything about the
3: playoffs just makes me happy. I saw Everything. a guy walking down Jasper Avenue in a Dustin Penner 27 with an A on it. Oh, and I honked to give him the thumbs up. And he was like, yeah, give <laughs> me back the thumbs up. And I'm like, that fucking guy is either the smartest man alive or just borrowed a jersey and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing.
2: Well, another thing about having a jersey like that, too, is you know that it, like we've seen some shit, you know? I t- I've talked to a couple of nation citizens that are a little bit younger where you know they're like, oh, I really got into it in 2017. And the last couple of years have been rough. The like, last couple of years, goddamn, you're a fucking baby. You don't know about the, the only good thing was the Yakupov slide. You don't know about Kennedy. those years. Kennedy I mean,
3: says to me, I didn't get into the Oilers until 2016. I go, damn, that was a minute ago. She goes, Bonnie, that was six years ago. Like, what do you, that's not even that long. I'm mean, like, that's a long time ago. Like, oh, I still wear my 2010 Taylor Hall draft t shirt.
2: I was at, last time I was at Rogers Place, I saw a Sad Since 07 t-shirt out in the wild. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't seen any of those in a while. And I also love, by the way, how many Nation Gear hats are there, like Oilers Nation hats in the crowd. They're just everywhere now. And different flavors. You can tell who's been around a minute. Yeah. It's it's almost like cutting a tree in half and counting the rings, how old those hats are.
3: I've got the new Camel hat. And I am very happy. I do too. New new era. Yeah, new era. And it's a profit, which I remember being told we would never be allowed to have our own new era profits because we don't own the term. And yet here we are, motherfucker.
2: I got one of those two. I also have a gray one like that. I used to have a brown one, but I threw it for a Leon Drysaddle hat trick in Calgary. You have to do it. I also have I my- threw my
3: rest in or my playoffs 2020 hat.
2: I threw my Mission 2020 hat in Los Angeles for the Evander Kane hat trick. There's just something special about throwing your hat in an opposing bar. Yeah, man. It's just an extra layer of disrespect, and I love it.
3: I I think the the Pray for Playoffs 2020 hat was thrilled to be thrown in an Evander Kane hat trick in 2022. Of course. Of
2: course. And I was smart enough to bring another hat down there with me. I knew it was happening. I knew it was happening. I
3: think the reason why the Flames went to hell was because Keith didn't throw his hat. Well...
2: And also the most, I mean, the most visible Kachuk in that entire series was Brady. And that was just because he was hammering BLs all night.
3: If you don't want to throw, and I understand that it's his daughter's team hat because he was wearing her merch, which I respect. Okay. So before I diss you, I respect you, my opponent. But if it's somebody else's kid and you don't want to throw your hat, okay, fine. The fact that it's your kid. Oh, yeah. You throw that hat. That's a pretty big slap in the face to the hockey gods. And yep. clearly, Keith, it didn't fucking work.
2: Yep. That's why I, I give it to Jay and Tyler all the time. They've seen, both of them have seen at least two. Tyler, I think three hat tricks. Nary a hat has hit the ice.
3: I don't understand Tyler Uramchuk. I don't pretend to. I've been on a podcast with him now where he's said 90% of the words for years. Mm-hmm. And I, despite listening to him talk for at least an hour of our podcast Once a twice a week I don't understand how the man's mind works No, me neither Why wouldn't you throw your work hat, fuck face? We'll give you another one oh, You yeah. pay for the one you don't want to throw
2: Oh yeah, I, ch- I will always chuck a hat There's nothing that I love more than throwing a hat
3: I remember Doug Waite getting a hat trick in like 1996 1995, somewhere in there and I everything I owned at that point I had to work for. I had to like deliver newspapers, I had to shovel snow, right? And I had just purchased with a like the majority of a paycheck, a Nike hat. And it was right when Nike hats were brand new. Hmm. And Doug Wake got this hat trick, and I'd saved up for this hat, and I didn't even give it a second thought, and I whipped it as hard as I could, which with my short arms at that young age was like three rows. And I hit a guy in the back of the head with my hat, and he wasn't even mad. He just turned around with his long adult arms and flung that motherfucker up into the ozone, and no part of me was sad. I was like, well, Doug, we did it together
2: first time I ever threw my hat was for a hat trick. It was the first time I was ever there for a hat trick was in game six against Anaheim. Leon Drys got a hat trick back in 2017. I had got, that was the night I got those tickets from StubHub right behind the bench for posing shit on Twitter or whatever.
3: That
4: was dope. And
2: and I took my dad. My dad had never been to a playoff game before. So I decided to take him. Leon gets a hat trick. I chucked the hat. After the game, Mark Latestu in the post game thing where he was a star of the game, threw me a hat back. And I just what? felt like, yeah, I caught I like, know the this. player of the hat game hat. He was the signed? first star. Oh, yeah. I got a signed Mark Latesty hat. Testy? You know it. Where is it? It's, it's in my room somewhere. Um, but since then, I will always throw my hat because I just feel like it's good juju.
3: You gotta throw your hat in.
2: The universe needs me to chuck it.
3: There was a guy in the Flames Arena, which is a death trap, by the way.
2: Absolutely. And
3: he was an Oilers fan. and when I, It was a cane got the hattie down there. <clears throat>
2: Uh, Kane's hat trick was here.
3: Who got Leon, the hat? Leon? Leon got one down there. Yeah, and there was a guy they showed on the telecast, and he, he's he got his hat, and his girlfriend goes, Blah blah blah. And he goes, No, I have to, and throws it. <laughs> I was like, That guy, that's <laughs> the guy you take home tonight, a man of his word.
2: My favorite one, I think, was friend of the show, friend of everyone, Travis Dakin. He had just gotten a fresh nation gear lid. This is, I think. Pre-pandemic, right before the pandemic, he had just got it that day. It goes to a Oilers game. Somebody gets a hat trick, and he's like, "Well, away it goes,
3: away it just goes." Just need to know, don't wear the hat you like.
2: Exactly. I think that's the lesson I learned: is if you got a hat that you really love, don't wear it, or else you got to chuck it.
3: We all have a hat that we love that we either got so dirty that it can't be cleaned, or like the back popped off, or some fucked up thing happened, but we don't want to throw it out. We all have this hat. Don't tell me you don't have a hat like this. Well, actually, Those are the hats. You bring them to the arena and you give them a good burial at sea.
2: I've thrown two of my favorite hats this year that I would have never thrown had it not been for a hat trick, but it, you got to. It. You got to. a playoff
3: hat trick, man. What the
2: fuck? Well, also that... So that particular hat toss was... That was the worst hat throw of all time because I had probably drank about 55 beers that day. I was on another planet full of happiness. So when Kane gets the hat trick, I just go up and down and it was almost more like a football spike than it was like a, a hat toss. Good guy, Corio from Sherwood Ford though, it almost hit him. So he goes to get the hat. I think I'm thinking he's going to throw it back to me, but no, he just, it made its way onto the guys. It was meant to be. There's,
3: there. I just there's so many memories. It's so good. I can still see my little tiny arms with a very flat plane of launch with my Doug Wade trick hat. (laughs) And how I hit this poor guy on the end of the road, two, three rows down. And he didn't even look back. He just was smiling. He just picked it up, fucking threw it as happy as he could be. I also remember when the uh, Rexall place did its renovations. So this is like 1994, probably. Yep. This is probably one of the first hockey games I ever went to in my life. I went with my little buddy from school. He took me and we were, he sat in, he's like, Hey, we got to go to the game. I heard the Oilers replaced our seats with new ones. My mom is so excited. This is like a preseason game. Right. So I'm like, so excited. We go into a hockey game. I I honestly think it was maybe my first game I've ever been to, but uh, we go in and they'd replaced all up to the row in front of like his row was not replaced the row in front of him was replaced right so we're kids we're crying laughing we go and get hot dogs we go to sit in these seats like it's an hour before game time the first preseason of the year my buddy goes to bite his hot dog and it falls like shoots out of the bun (laughs) and falls down the front of the brand new seat back in front of him And me and him are crying, laughing so hard, right? Because this is what you laugh at when you're 10 or 11 or 12, whatever we were. And uh, then the people come to sit in their new seats for the first time. And they're like, hey, our seats are covered in mustard. And we're like two little kids (laughs) with hot dogs right behind them. Boy, that was a good memory, too. The point is, sometimes you don't remember when everything goes right. Sometimes you got to remember things like when you threw a hat, you didn't want to part with. Or you don't know how to eat a hot dog if you're a little kid.
2: I think of that to about the Jersey that I wear every game that I go to, or every watch party I go to, it's the, the Ryan Nugent Hopkins Jersey that I got in 2017. We have that photo up at nation HQ. Yeah, right? yeah, for United. Yep. Yeah, so that's the Jersey I got. That thing has got so many dings on it. It's got beer stains on it. It's just, but they're all good memories. Like I was, I was wearing it the other day and so, I remember Tyler, maybe, Somebody asked me, he's like, what is going on with the logo? Because it's all like bunged up the logo on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, 2017, the Oilers made it through the first round, so I slip and slide it across the back room at the pint, like running from the kitchen and sliding across the floor. Now the fucking logo. On your stomach? Yeah. Were you (laughs) really? Showman. Well, Oilers win a playoff round. Weird shit's bound to happen. That's what I know. My,
3: My OG Jordan Everly had red sourpuss all down the front of it It looked like i was a vampire or possibly covered in droplets of blood and i refused to clean it despite the decade of darkness i thought there was like luck that i needed to preserve in this thing and then one day my sister was like hey you left your eberly jersey here at the house hey like oh yeah after the game she's like so i cleaned it damn that thing was filthy i'm like oh you bitch you did not just clean my jordan eberly so my Connor McDavid that is currently holding this whole cup run together um, is covered in garbage from was his that entire the one that, career.
2: Was that the one that you ordered? Because one of my favorite things about you and a Conor McDavid jersey is the day of the draft. Yeah, I ordered you that jersey, and it had a C on it. You were the yep. first one in Edmonton guaranteed yep. to have a Connor McDavid captain jersey.
3: I was like, how can I be that guy? And I'm like, I'll put a fucking C on it. It was amazing you were able to get it. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't going to. They weren't allowed first. to make McDavid jerseys. Mm-mm. Remember how they were like so insistent? Yep. I was like, please, bag like, I need it. I didn't. Even, yep. I didn't have a leg to stand on, and I, I put I, it on. Remember?
2: Oh, yeah, I remember. As soon as they called his name, he put it on. I remember calling around a couple of places, and there were. I tried to say my last name was McDavid. I tried yeah. a bunch of different things, but eventually, I got. Well, I got the job done.
3: You did get the job done. It was very impressive. So that is the the first Carter McDavid jersey with a C on it, without question. And it has not been clean since that day. I love it. And it's not that gross because they didn't really have any red sourpuss. That's the only one that'll really get you.
2: <laughs> the red sour. I think any red sourpuss sa- will get you.
3: Ah, beer, though, you can take home with a Tide pen. You can get beer out. And like yep. It's a royal blue, so you're not going to see a lot of, you know, I've got a brand new Zach Hyman white Oilers jersey in my closet that I haven't worn to anything. And I'm like ready to bust this bitch out when we Mm -hmm. need to have a complete flip mode. Should we need one? I'm ready. Right. There may be a game where you're like, the only thing I can do to help the Oilers is bring something out. No one has ever seen before. I need to do something new and I will get the old Hyman 18, but it is a white Jersey. And I know
2: those I'll go grab my sign. Nugent Hopkins from the office. I'll bust that one out.
3: You'll wear it
2: if I need to. If well, it's that you're dire. not wrong.
3: If you if you think about like a case of emergency break glass situation,
2: a signed Nugent Hopkins could be the ticket.
3: And then you put it back in the case after.
2: Yeah, and just hope that if I do inevitably spill on it, it's on the front so that I can still have the back looking sharp.
3: And if you, for some reason, were to take a fry to the back or something, and there was ketchup, you'd look at it afterwards and say, oh, "It's game worn, baby."
2: Well. I mean, that is possible. I did take a beer to the Dome. So a fry this seems pretty mellow by comparison.
3: When we were in San Jose in 2017, uh, we won one game and we were merciless in making fun of everybody. And then, <laughs> then we lost a game. And I'm not even going to exaggerate. I say I took five fries to the head. Yep. And I was like turning around and like putting my hand in my ear even though we were losing and like threatening people and then like seeing them in the bathroom at intermission and being like, Oh yeah, whatever, you're all jokes, and then back of the stands like fuck you.
2: There is uh again, there's something special about doing that in an opposing barn. Like when I took that beer in the head, my favorite thing to do, because that was the night that the oilers ran the show A2. My favorite thing to do is we were sitting about 10 rows up was turn around and point at Oilers fans in different sections until we caught each other. Yes. And then after one goal, two goal, three goal, four goal, yes. we started looking for each other. Yes. And then on the fifth one, that's where I took the beer to the dome.
3: But wow. Thank hey. God it wasn't a keg.
2: Well, I'm first of all, happy it wasn't a bottle. It was just one of those plastic cups filled with beer. Again, I apologize to the universe. Yeah, I apologize to the universe for the nice old lady behind me that took the brunt of my celebrations.
3: Wow. That's fine. fine. Collateral damage.
2: Yeah, she wore that one. That was a $20 US beer that she got to wear. I respect her for it.
3: Wow, don't bring money into it. They're all (laughs) terrible. Prices of beers, holy mackerel. Either you want to get drunk or you don't. If you do, get your fucking wallet out. Let's do this
2: playoffs baby you got it. there's
3: nothing about this that makes economic sense other than you want drunk question mark (laughs) you drink beer exclamation mark
2: yeah yeah it was the same thing like even just thinking about like me hungry me buy 15 dollar hot dog because you have to
3: gotta do it thinking about that story you told i don't know if you told it on better late than never but about the guy buying twenty five hundred dollars worth of booze i haven't
2: so i'll tell her right now so i was at game four and I was going up to buy a drink in the intermission. So as I'm standing at one of the bars in at Rogers Place, just I'm in line, the line's not moving. And normally they're very efficient. I was drinking Caesars that night and behind they just had them all stacked up, ready to go. All needed was some vodka, get the fuck out of here. So as I'm walking up to the thing, people start handing beers around and this one guy dropped probably 2,500 bucks. He bought everybody in, in line, a shot of vodka or a beer. They went through three, four bottles of vodka, just pouring out the shots, handing out beers to everybody. That guy has got, he just basically dropped his dick on the table and let everybody look at it in one of the most amazing power moves I've ever seen.
3: I'm a heterosexual male and I am turned on by this. It's amazing. It was amazing. I would have looked at this guy. I'd be like, damn, man, I've bought a lot of booze at Oilers games in my life. And never in my life has it fucking occurred to me to do this move. Like, I'd never get my bill and go, oh, I wish it was more. <laughs> and everybody
2: was, it was funny, too, because everybody was confused about what was happening. Like, there's just a guy and he's just all of a sudden somebody hands him a full pint of beer. And he's just like, well, I don't get it. What's going on? And he's like, just take it and go. He's like, okay, I will take it. And it just, it didn't stop. It was amazing power.
3: When I was a kid, I used to love buying a shitload of shots at the club. Sure. And I would hand them out to people like just as a boss move, right? Like work at shitty ass jobs, making less than $10 an hour to then go to the bar on a Friday night and drop $120 on a tray of shots that I wouldn't even drink most of. Just so that, like, the people standing around me in Juice Nightclub thought I was cool? Shit. This guy speaks to me. I just never thought to do it in an Oilers game because for $2,500, I would sooner buy an NFT of a dancing ape that will fall to a penny the next day.
2: Yeah, it was uh it was something to behold. I went back to my seat and told my buddy about it. I was like, I just saw a guy drop like twenty five hundred bo- bones buying everybody a drink. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Now was he a was he a
3: Coke boss, you think? Was he a gangster?
2: I don't know. I'm gonna guess he was roughly probably around late twenties, early thirties.
3: So that's Coke boss age. They're dead by about thirty three.
2: Allegedly, in our opinion, or he could just be coming back from Fort Mac. Who knows?
3: Either way, he was... Feeling you don't passive. see those cats like you used to, though. Like, I don't feel like he was a... Well, oil is up.
2: Oil is up, you never know. Uh, but again... I
3: love... Remember the 06 riggers? There was nobody richer. Oh. These motherfuckers had wads of twomps, which is what we called 20s in those days. We called them twomps. And they had wads of twomps in their pockets that bulged. <laughs> Damn rich.
2: Power move, again. Whoever that guy is. if you, By the way, if you... Got a free drink from this dude. I want to hear from you. Hit me up. Back or up if you buy cocaine com.
3: from this guy and suspect he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> he,
2: he might. He absolutely might. That was an uh, th- I'm glad you brought that up because that was just such a big dick move that I fucking I loved it. I can't believe I haven't told this on my own podcast. I, can't, I don't Man. know what
3: you're talking about on this show, but the fact that you didn't tell that story, that is shocking. That is a hell of a story.
2: Well, this is the first episode I recorded since then. So I probably wouldn't even have thought about it uh, until you brought it up. Uh,
3: bet, bet, better late than never once a week?
2: I've been doing twice a week during the playoffs just because like it's fun and people are leaving so many voicemails and just everybody's excited. So why not? What else am I doing?
3: It's hilarious to me how popular the show is.
2: Yeah, me too. It's gone beyond what I ever expected it to be.
3: Turns out our buddy down the hall actually was quite popular all this time. Never forget where you learned your craft, motherfucker, the KGB room.
2: Of course. Never forget. Never forget. Well, it's interesting now, too, how just it's so easy to make a podcast in your house if you want to Like, we have the beautiful studio at at nation HQ where it's got all the equipment. It's got all the mics, but here I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I've got everything I need to make a podcast. That sounds okay. And probably 1100 bones in all in
3: you're all set. I think we need to take the podcast studio of nation HQ and put it in the main room, like where your desk is. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to build a set. For the background
2: that'd be cool that'd be
3: really cool because i don't think the video is good enough
2: no we have the green screen that's up and it's sometimes it falls and sometimes it's loose i and think the camera's too close
3: to the guests and shit we need to get like the tv studio corporation to build us a fucking sports center you know yeah. what i'm saying
2: that'd be cool that'd be really cool
3: but then if you come upstairs on that one side of the building and we're like filming I'm not there ever. I don't know. Like, other would it be too distracting to be doing a show and have all the elevator traffic you can see,
2: Frank? Um, probably a little bit, but hey, homie, Frank, house, house, thanks, pal. Thank you. Dog's all fired up, man. Playoffs. Okay.
3: Anyway. Hey. When you said uh, you were talking about it with Frank earlier, I thought you meant the dog, not Sarah Valley.
2: Frank knows a lot of things. My dog. That he is. does.
3: I just imagine the two of you have long talks.
2: The, the weird part about that is I've probably had more conversations with my dog. One sided conversations, of course, than anybody over the last two and a half years, because I've spent more time with him than anyone.
3: It was crazy running into my buddy on the road today. And like we pulled over, I'm like, man, just the act of like running into somebody I didn't intend to see and then talking to them. Yeah. I didn't realize how long it's been, man.
2: I Crazy. notice a lack of social skills or just a oh, diminishing me too. of social skills. I'm like skills.
3: wildly yelling and shit. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't know how to talk to people anymore.
2: Yeah, like the uh, just, I, I don't know what to say to people. I'll just walk away from a conversation now because that's what you're allowed to do. Everybody's like, oh, he's, it's the pandemic. It didn't go well for him. It's like,
3: wow. I'm like a sim that's like out of sync with the game. I just like go stand in the corner and like then I go walk on the other side and then like look out the window and shit.
2: Yeah, 100%. I look at the same three buildings over and over again, expecting something different. Me and Frank just stare at people, waiting for new neighbors to move in. So something changes. <laughs> That kind of reminds me, uh, brings me to another question that I got for you from Instagram. Huh? What are you watching on YouTube these days?
3: That's kind who asked that question.
2: That one came in from Kev.
3: Kev. Well, shit. Uh, I'm into some interesting stuff right now. Well, I've been watching a lot of citizen journalist stuff from the Ukraine and Eastern Europe and stuff. Really? And like, what people are posting like not like war footage necessarily, but just like, this is what life is like in Ukraine. Now this is what life is like in Russia. Now this is what we're talking to Russians on the street. What do you think about the war? We're talking to people in the Ukraine. And it's been really interesting to watch because you realize how at least the people they're talking to in these channels, everyone's on the same team. Like, people in Russia are made out to be like these crazy bloodthirsty people. It's not true, man. They're like good people. They want to get like Ikea back and shit. And they feel horrible about what happened to their neighbors. And like the Ukrainian people that they're talking to aren't like subjugated and ready to surrender and like all crazy on war and shit. They just want to return back to like a peaceful, normal life. And I think it's really interesting that you can see what people are talking about without the lens of mainstream media, ruining the messaging
2: yeah yeah
3: so i've been watching that i've been watching vietnamese guys who fucking make stuff and when i say stuff the one i just watched was a guy made a like a pleasure yacht and he was walking up and down the beach and found a barnacle encrusted outboard engine yeah dragged it back to his shop and completely rebuilt it and like sanded it down and shit Mm-hmm. And then he went to the dump and he picked up a broken fiberglass hull boat mm-hmm. and brought it back to his joint and fixed it and then laid like a pleasure yacht. These are the guys who did the Bugatti that one time.
2: Right, right, right.
3: There's a weird Vietnamese DIY YouTube community where they just build crazy shit into nothing and then get like 3 million views for it. I love it. That's I'm, I'm in.
2: in. I, I, I'm i I like things that have been kind of casual and relaxing and like, I'm trying to scratch my travel itch without actually being able to go anywhere. Yeah. You turned me on, this is early pandemic. You turned me on to walking tours.
3: The best. Hey,
2: so I just did the other day. I was just, I was, you know, I was plugging away on something and I had like a four hour walking tour downtown London.
3: Yes, man. And like, you just have that shit on and keep doing what you're doing. And it doesn't, you don't feel like you went to London, but it does feel like you did something. Doesn't it?
2: It feels like you did something. Maybe even you it's learned weird. something. If you get a good video from somebody who will also point out some facts as they're cruising through, you feel like you learned something. I've been doing those a lot. Just so, like, cause my travel list as this has gone on. is just grown and grown and grown yeah. and grown. So I'm just, yeah. well, I might as well walk through Tokyo with my friends here on the, yes, I was going to say
3: doing. there's some really, really good Tokyo ones. I was really into, uh, Portofino and San Rafael and those types of areas in Italy, the Amalfi coast. And so I took probably a dozen walking tours of the Amalfi Coast there for a while. And I just really wanted to be in Italy for some strange reason. And thanks to YouTube and the giant television, it was weird. I get to the end, and it was like you know when you go traveling and you come home at the end of the day after seeing a bunch of shit and sit down, and you can't think about it. You're like, damn, I really saw a lot of really cool shit today. Mm-hmm. I swear I had a very similar experience.
2: I could see. I it. wasn't
3: tired. I hadn't experienced it fully but i hadn't sat in my room for the last hour and that was enough
2: yeah it's almost like tricking yourself a little bit that you're you're experiencing things that would just been so normal before i did tokyo i did london i've done i've done bangkok because i love that city yeah i did yep. a bunch of places that i haven't gone like i have. there's do- Thai
3: island tours on boats you can do eh? i did He's one there yeah it's like one of the outrigger boats or whatever they call them that yep. they're speeding We're around somebody boats. rent yeah, someone, yeah, long tail. Someone rented one and did a, a video of it. Those are the best. Oh, it took you back, man. The key to remembering shit, because I think it's hard for people to remember. I talk about this in my shrink a lot. I want to remember things from things I've done because I really enjoy remembering shit I've done, right? Yep. And she says the key to remembering things is the little details. And people who scrapbook and stuff, they actually have a better time of it. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, that overnight train from CM reap. I took, I remember that crazy guy who kept farting in the same car as me. And like remembering that kind of stuff is how you jog your memory for overall trips. Like I, I've been to Cambodia. I can't just be like, Oh, this is what CM reap was necessarily, but I can remember like going to the um, like barbecue restaurant and ordering the big meat platter and then all these meats came with toothpicks in them, and then I realized that, like, probably none of the toothpicks are telling the truth. That's what's easier to remember. And I find, like, those walking tours, you can pick up on little details and shit like that that you remember later on down the road.
2: I, that Now that you say that, like, I think about a place, like, I've been, like, in Anchor Wat. I don't necessarily remember too much about the temples, but I remember certain parts of it because we were reading signs and kind of, like... I don't know, just we were having fun with it and just reading, making jokes about what we were seeing or not seeing and just like, look at this fucking lineup to go into this. T- I remember lineups for things that I did not want to stand in and it just takes you back. It's interesting. Maybe when I, I was at Anchor
3: Watt, I got into a fight with TSN 1260 over email on my BlackBerry and got so mad at TSN 1260, I went, "What the fuck?" And like a person there was like, "Ah, uh, excuse me, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, I had to take a tuck tuck home so I could go back to my hotel and properly yell at TSN 1260." Yeah, there that you was go. my trip to Anchor Watt.
2: Now you got that stored, the Anchor Watt memory stored thanks to TSN 1260. I got
3: shushed at Anchor Watt by somebody who was at Anchor Watt because I was yelling so loud.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, you know what. That's life, man.
2: YouTube is one of the greatest inventions of all time. I'm grateful it for is, It is,
3: man. It, I was watching a thing about Quibi failing. Remember Quibi? Uh, no, not really, actually. Early in the pandemic, there was a new startup called Quibi, and it was created by Jeffrey Katzenberg of uh, DreamWorks fame, like extremely huge Hollywood titan, and Meg Whitman, who I believe used to be the CEO of Hewlett-Packard. And they made this startup for short form, professionally made video shows on your phone called Quibi. Yeah. And the pandemic hit and they go, they raised like a billion and a half US. Like Will Smith had a show, all these crazy shows. And they go, oh, this video isn't going to platform won't work because now people aren't taking mass transit to work. And we designed Quibi to watch on the way to work. So with this pandemic, we're going to shut. What? And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Even then, when the pandemic was kicking off, it was like April 2020. I was like, all people do is have time right now to watch TV. Like, what are you talking about, Quibi?
2: Yeah, service raised $1.75 billion from investors, launched in April 2020, shut down in December 2020 after failing uh, short of its subscriber projections.
3: Yeah, and there's like, we quit. In
2: January 2021, Quibi's content library was then sold to Roku.
3: Smart. There was some interesting shit on there. But they were breaking down like the streaming service wars after they talked about Quibi. And like how popular YouTube is, despite basically making no content. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's all Like Quibi generally. has to get the cameras and make the thing, and HBO's got the scripts and the this and the Sopranos. And YouTube's just like, it's mostly a guy air guitaring with a cat as a guitar. But, uh, you know, he made $9 million last year doing. Yeah, just one of the the the
2: top earners on YouTube is a fucking kid opening presents that you don't get to play
3: with. It's such a strange, strange window on humanity.
2: But then there's also, there's some really good shit on
3: there. Yeah, of course, man. Just stuff that you would never be able to make anywhere else but youtube like my Thai guy made a bugatti out of fucking nothing it's insane it has millions of views the guy who um remember we were watching the guys who were making the houses in the middle of yeah the yeah, jungle? yeah yeah of course try getting that green lit by cbs and <laughs> yeah, yet yeah, yeah. when you put it on a view-to-view basis this shit is more popular one of the reasons quibi failed that they talk about it's really interesting is that kids now don't want to be told who the celebrities are. So, sense. Jeffrey Katzenberg lived in an era where slick-ass celebrities with publicists like Will Smith and Tom Cruise and Kevin Hart, they rule the world. Yep. And when Katzenberg thought he had to spend all this money on content, it turns out people just want to nominate their own like Celebrity now amongst kids as weird as it gets with like these Charlie D'Amato's on TikTok and shit. It's a very democratic process Mm -hmm. where like the crowd decides and validates you. And then you blow up. Whereas conventional TV is like, we're going to show you somebody. And because we show them to you on TGIF on ABC, you're going to know that this person is hilarious because we tell you.
2: Like to your exact point nobody is going to let you do a one hour and 45 minute walkthrough of New York city on TV. But on YouTube, this fucking thing has 4.6 million views. Just when crazy. they're like,
3: Oh, we can't cancel the NFL pro bowl. Why? I say to myself, because it gets 7 million views and it's so profitable that even though the NFL isn't really like it and yeah, the players don't really like it, uh, the advertisers still come because that many people want to watch it. And I'm like 7 million views. I saw a guy make a Bugatti in the middle of the jungle and it had 11 million views. Like that doesn't really blow my mind.
2: All the bankrupt. That guy has tons of views on his shit. And it's just, again, he's just a guy out filming in the weirdest spots. And he I really the-
3: took a turn for me when he didn't do anything for the Ukraine after all that time doing stuff in the Ukraine, then he just like left. And now he's like not doing stuff. I don't know about that guy.
2: The interesting thing about the YouTube as well is that I haven't watched Bald and Bankrupt since early pandemic. Since because he is bald- making,
3: you're not seeing it on the algorithm. He's not then you out just content.
2: you bounce out to something new. Yeah, I watch the guys making a mud hut or a fucking wood stove in the jungle with clay and mud, and I'm like, I'm in. This
3: is, all this I is why I love YouTube. I like the decision making. So we watch Bald and Bankrupt. We love Bald and Bankrupt. He does, like, a co-show with this other dude called NFKRZ. FKRZ or something? I don't even know. It, it, anyways, he's basically bald and bankrupt, but he's an actual Russian kid. And he's, like, super sassy. He's so fucking funny. And he just does what bald and bankrupt does, and he wanders around, but he's Russian, right? So when everything went to hell, he moved to Georgia, right? and it's so funny because he's still making tons of content and he like wanders around georgia he's like why the fuck have i lived in russia my whole life georgia's like a third of the price it's way nicer here everything's a way better repair it's so funny because he was like moves to georgia and an hour later he's the most popular man in georgia and he walks up and down the street in georgia and random georgian kids are like hello and he's like "Ah, it's crazy the reach of youtube 100%.
2: You're talking about the Pro Bowl getting the 7 million viewers or whatever. You and I have talked a lot about Mr. Beast. I'm just cruising through his page right now. His most recent video, 60 million views, 95 million views, 65 million views. It's like you said, he made the content. People love the content. And now to a certain segment of people, he could be the most famous man on earth.
3: How are we doing on our first 45 minute increment here?
2: uh i think we're doing okay i haven't got a okay. warning yet
3: okay cool 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 i just want to make sure um mr beast is a very interesting dude you know who else is interesting it was that jake tran video i sent you
2: he, he so that video led me into some of his other stuff he just the creativity and the production that that, that guy does it's fantastic and he's scene, just doing it on his own channel and how he yeah. did it and how he uh, what is that book again? Blue
3: Ocean Strategy. Yeah, the Blue Ocean Strategy. Where he's like, I'm making content just like a guy I'm trying to copy. And it's not getting me anywhere. Despite doing a good copy of this other dude. A dead-on so copy. Blew-
2: hmm? It was a dead-on copy.
3: Yeah. And instead of the Blue Ocean Strategy, where he's like, I'm going to do economic history, but it's going to be dark shit. Mm-hmm. And he's that's unique in the market. I think it's smart if I have any advice for content creators don't make it about yourself there's a show there's a channel called cold fusion on youtube right and it's a guy by himself like Jake Tran but he doesn't appear in any of the videos he just is the narrator and like if you're a lot of kids start out with how do I get famous as their end goal game right and I don't think that's very unlikely you're going to get a busy YouTube page or Instagram page or whatever it is you're trying to blow up with an intent of being famous. What you need to do is be like, what is the most value I can provide? So cold fusion does research on topics about business and stuff like that as an example. And they're like 12 minute videos and they blow up because they're talking about things that are already popular. Right. Oilers Nation is an example of that, right? Had we called it like Wanye's Wacky Hockey blog and it was all about me, it wouldn't have done very well, right? Mm -hmm. But because it was called Oilers Nation and it was very obvious who we were cheering for and what we were about, by talking about something way more popular than ourselves, it became popular on its own, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're like that guy, Jake Tran, just like he's, he's in them a lot. Uh, more so as he gets more and more popular. He's made it more and more about himself, but there's a lot of people out there minting coin being like, let's talk about the history of, you know, Cleveland or some weird shit and they're minting it.
2: Yeah. As long as you got your angle, hundred percent.
3: If you love history, there's never been a better time to make your own history of YouTube channel and do the most interesting shit that you can think of.
2: Yeah. Right. totally.
3: And if it doesn't get a lot of views, but you enjoyed making it, Rock on, whether it's hockey content, right? Like we get people reaching out to us. They're looking for advice. How do they start doing their own channel or their own this and their own that? How do they make it in sport media? Get your buddy, get a microphone, plug it into your laptop and make a show about the Oilers that you laugh your ass off about. and yeah. can't wait to come back a week later and do again and do that shit for like five years. And I guarantee you by the end of it, if you're still at it, you'll be in the sports media.
2: I think that it also takes a special breed of person to go that long, to have the commitment of doing it every single week, weekend. I think about when you first started a weather's nation and you committed to writing an article a day, at least for a, for a full year. There's a lot of people if where if you started doing that and you don't see an immediate return, then it was like, ah, you know, 45 days. If you're going go to go to
3: fucking work for somebody else for the next 45 years till you retire. That to me is scary. Not doing a fucking article on your brand new hockey website every day for a year. What's the worst that can happen in my opinion, right? When I started up at Edmonton river Valley on Instagram four years before a little brick opened. No, I don't know how long I've been doing it now. Maybe six years. I've been doing it, posting at least a photo every day of the Edmonton river Valley. It's got like 44,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I did that exclusively to be able to market our companies down in Riverdale. Yep. Right. It's not a lot of tasks. Right. If you're like, I love sports media. Okay. Then doing a show in sports media for five years should be exactly what you want. Right. If you're willing to go and give a community college or a university or some sort of educational institution, four years of your life and a hundred grand to get a degree in basket weaving or some fucked up thing. <laughs> taking two hours of your week to talk to your boy about your oilers if you want to be in the sports media that shouldn't even feel like fucking work it should be what you want to do yeah if you're like hey Wanye, do you want to date a super hot babe i'm not like oh for how long right i'm like oh man this is wicked every time i see this chick we're having a good time right if you're like oh i have to do a hockey podcast for five years before anything happens oh you don't really like podcasting no. You don't really want to talk about the Oilers. Well, that's How the long interesting have you thing you and I have been doing goddamn real life for, man. I've
2: been well, doing I this since 2017. I was even just going to say that you and I could very well be having this conversation and it wasn't recorded. This is just like a normal chat that we would be having semi frequent.
3: 100%. But now I might as well put it up. Well, I think that there's not like no one's going to give you an opportunity but no one can also prevent you from doing what you want to do. That's the way I've always looked at it. Right. Yep. No one can. Uh, we were I was joking around talking to Coombe the other day and I was telling the story of how I, he used to be the editor of the gateway. Yep. Right. The U of a newspaper. Yep. And I wrote one article for the gateway. My first year of university, I was like so nervous. I went down to the gateway office. I'd written out some shit. I gave it to their surly front desk person uh, fuck, I don't even know if we were doing emails in those days. I don't even remember how it was going. Anyways, I got to go to one Oilers game preseason and I sat in the press box and I was so excited and I accidentally sat in Terry Jones's chair, right? I didn't know whose chairs were whose. I was there really early and then Terry Jones came and yelled at me. That was fine. And Then I wrote this article and it was about how when there was a strike in 2004, The gravy train is going to come to the end. I said, because the NHL is going to have a salary cap and I still have the article and fine. And I wrote it and I gave it to the gateway and they published it. And I was like, I am the shit. And I went back the next week for my assignment and they said, we don't need you anymore. And I remember being heartbroken because I'm like, first of all, this is a free fucking job. I'm not even paid. Yeah. Two, it's not the New York Times. Like, no offense, you're a U of A newspaper of all fucking things, and they were just snooty, and they were like, "Fuck you." And then a few years later, I laughed seeing Liam at work driving the Spruce Grove Crusade, 'm a Crusader, what's he driving? Crusaders I applied for the job Liam had once, and when I went to the interview at the Crusaders, I could see my resume on the top of the pile as the guy was interviewing me. And the guy interviewing me wrote bullshit across the front of my resume, <laughs> even though the resume was true. And Liam got the job, the dirty fuck, right? So, the point of these stories is when I was talking to Coombe, is like, if I let dis- people telling me I'm an idiot discourage me, I wouldn't have done anything with my life. But instead, what I took it to mean was, like, huh. That's really fucking rude. These guys wouldn't let me write about sports. This goes on the list of things. I'm going to fucking do something about one day. And then you fast forward five years from that point, Oilers nation's live. Yep. Right. And the media people and the Oilers that are mean to us in our early days, I'm still so indignant from being told no to super shitty sports journalism job and very low um, entry point marketing job telling me to go fuck myself that I'm just like, I'm making my own thing. Fuck you, people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? It all depends what you want to get from it. You can use it as a fuel to propel yourself forward. Coombe was like, oh man, if the Gateway told me to piss off after one article, I'd have just curled up and died. I was like, well, I'm not, like, I'm used to rejection. Most everything I do that works doesn't work when I first start doing it. It I do something, it flops, then I have to fix it.
2: Well, that's it. You've I mean, since I've known you, you've always been really good at that. You don't kind of... I've never seen somebody quite like you in terms of just... Everybody's got speed bumps, but you handle them better than anybody I've met.
3: What do you mean? That's so kind. What do you mean? Go out. Tell me more about myself.
2: What I mean is that if there's something kind of in the way where it's a challenge or be it like a, a mountain or a molehill, you just, you handle it. It's just part of it. You don't get discouraged. I mean, you've fucking shaken my tree a few times. Just be like, man, you can't let X, Y, or Z just floor you. That's not how this works. You just got to pick yourself up and get it back going. Countless times I mean, over the 15 years we've known each other. You've done that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. That's been 15 years. Well, I think, cause I understand like, I've had more success than a lot of people, but I've had infinitely more failure than I've had success. Right. Remember when we did meow post and it blew up on our face. Mm-hmm. Dear listeners, you're t- listening to two people talk who for a brief shining moment owned one of the largest cat websites on earth. <laughs> MeowPost.com. <laughs> uh huh. And we were rolling and we were talking about it. We we're like, we're going to leave hockey blogging behind because we're gonna make so much money off them cats. Why would we want to talk about our favorite thing? Just kidding. And it went to shit, right? Due to forces beyond our control with Facebook and how they had fake news penalties and sharing things yep. and all sorts of... We weren't scammers and we weren't running a, a ill-gotten cat website, but it blew up on our face. Yep. That shit happened. Mm-hmm. And you either... I think in the long time that we've known each other... I've seen you go from like, it's easy to be a cynic, right? Especially when you're young, right? And I remember like when you guys started up uh, jean shorts and bag milk, that's not the move of a cynic, right? That's the move of somebody who thinks they're doing something because it's cool and it's fun. And you weren't doing it for money. You were doing it for coolness and for fun, right? And like, Mm -hmm. that's the spirit of people who actually get shit done. Musicians, right? I'm really interested in like watching musicians record in the studio and listen to how they talk and how they think for a time in 2015, I was involved with like a Mexican rock band for real. I remember. And uh, we went down to a place called Sonic ranch and had three Grammy winning producers produce their album for them. And I got to be with them from the entire process of writing an album from like beginning to end. I was living with them in a mansion in Mexico city. And then we went to Sonic ranch and recorded this album. And like seeing the amount of work that goes into that sort of thing, you're not doing it for money. Yeah, You're doing it for the same exact spirit of why you started Gene shorts and Bagno, Right. In that you're like, you know, it would be cool if we did this, we did it this way and blah, blah, blah. And I remember when you got into your beef with Penn's blog. Sure. I was like, well, this isn't fair. They're being embraced by the streets. Nobody ever got into a beef with Oilers Nation. No one even cares about us at the time, right? And I was like, these guys are going to have all the good Penns bloggers stole, right? I was like all mad because I thought that, you know, Penns blog didn't even talk to us. But like, looking back now, you were setting yourself up for your long career.
2: Yeah, oddly. Sure. Yeah, 100%.
3: Because you enjoyed it? You're even good just like at it?
2: this podcast right here. I just did it because I wanted to learn how to do some audio. I thought it'd be fun to have beat cast vibes in a podcast that I could record whenever I want. And now it's 26 episodes in and five to 10 times bigger than I expected it ever would be.
3: I'm working on some new projects right now and they're artificial intelligence. Yep. And you know, I'll say three hours of my day right now, is spent working in artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I'm now reading a lot about artificial intelligence because I want to understand better what it is that I've... I bought a company and I'm building a company and I'm merging them together. And I'm like, this is so interesting. And, you know, will I ultimately turn into the world's largest artificial intelligence sports pick company? I don't fucking know. But I'm really interested in what I'm doing. And I've learned a lot from the Nation Network that I can apply to this. And it will lead to something else on the other side of it that has to do with artificial intelligence. And the only way you can learn cutting edge shit, whether it's blogging or podcasting or e-commerce or social media, artificial intelligence, crypto mining, like I do all sorts of fucking weird shit. The only way to learn about this shit is to try to do it. Yep. You can't read about it, man. You have to be in the game being like, fuck, 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 it's broken. And then you fix and then you learn, at least for me.
2: Oh, 100% the first, I'm going to say 20 episodes of this podcast sound like complete garbage. And when I went into uh, Long and McQuaid, I'm like, my podcast sounds like trash, sir. And I was so I explained to the guy, the thing, how I was hooking stuff up because the audio department came on, Trilogy Oilfield came on. And I was just like, well, I'm I am I got to level this shit up because it sounds awful. And the guy literally laughed at me when I told him how I was putting everything together. But the fuck did i know that was part of the fun is figuring it out learning getting the yes, right man and it doesn't
3: matter if you're good people out there if you're thinking about doing something it doesn't fucking matter if you're good if a kid came to me right now stopped me on the street said damn Wanye, fucking 23 years old and a stink and a suck and i want you to listen to the worst podcast about the owners you ever heard me and my boy are 23 episodes in the audio was whack. He's got fucking missing the tooth. He lisps. It's terrible. I'd be like, my friend, you are on the right path. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fucking matter if your show is good. If you just keep working at it and putting it out and do your version of go to long and McQuaid and get the thing that you need to improve it. If you're moving towards a goal that is important to you, you're on the right track, man.
2: I think it's really good advice.
3: I think it is too. I wish people listened to this show they might need to hear if they do listen to this show then perfect it's all working out i think so i
2: think so and there i think it's is... hard to
3: be a kid online and have so much scrutiny on like your own instagram page when you're just a kid and shit because it makes yeah. it seem as though everyone's paying attention to you at all points when they're really not
2: yeah nobody cares really nobody cares
3: no you know a guy who does a good job is angus
2: sure yeah 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 Out in
3: Winnipeg, right? He's got a Jets Nation. He's working out there. He's on a station. He's got his own pod. He shouts out his grandma's bakery at the farmer's market, Mm -hmm. right? He's doing some stunts for Jets Nation. I guarantee you if he doesn't get discouraged and stop, if he just keeps at it, I guarantee you in a few more years, he will be quote unquote legit.
2: Well, it's a 10,000 hours thing, right? You got to grind. We're only on
3: what's the episode 400 of our podcast. We're not even remotely near 10,000 hours, and I feel like we're proficient
4: now.
2: Well, sure. It's amazing how you just kind of get used to it. You get better at it. You get talking into a microphone, enunciating just the normal garbage, how to do an ad read. You're great. You
3: sound very pro.
2: I always wanted to go into radio um and that was my dream growing up is i always wanted to go into radio because i thought it'd be so much fun to talk on the radio and introduce songs and i love music and i thought i could tell jokes and do a good job of it and then i went to apply to i think it was the radio tv program at nate and they're like just so you know you're probably gonna have to live in a fucking suitcase and you're gonna make no yeah, 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 yeah. going to live in white court and for me i wasn't that kind of backed me off i was like i don't want to live in white court I don't want to go to white court. And there's like, there's so very few guys that get the Jason Greger path where you start in Edmonton.
3: Yes, right? you have to go to white court.
2: You have to go to white court. Or you get, like, God bless him. Tyler started in Edmonton because he got very, very lucky and he got good at what he was well, he's doing. He's a goddamn back.
3: Doogie Hauser this game.
2: For me, though, I wasn't prepared to go to white court. So I backed off of it entirely. So now I still get to kind of do that. But now it's on my own terms, which is ultimately
3: way better. You could start up right now, if you were so inclined, with the technology of the day, your own radio station about anything. You could introduce real songs, right? Just make sure you're streaming fucking footage that you're, or music that you're tagging appropriately. You could start up a rock station tomorrow morning, if you were so inclined. It's a fantastic time to be alive. Maybe one year into it, you don't have 10 million listeners. But if you like your show, there's no one telling you what to do. hmm
2: that's why I like this show. Nobody tells me what to do. I can push all the sound effects I want. Tyler can't yell at me. I fuck around with stuff. People leave us hilarious voicemails.
3: It's fun. This is fun. I'm going to start my own show. I know I've been saying it. I am going to do it for I next you year. Should. I think you
2: I really think you should. I think you should. I get, am, man. I think we should get something kind of set up like mine in your house where you can just sit down, flip the switches, and away you go.
3: I don't know if Wanya Manor is the place for me. Maybe it is. I don't know, but yes, I just I, I feel like the convenience. It'll
2: be, I love the convenience yeah. of being able to just flip all the things on and away. I go today. Our, no. Today I was leaving at the office, and you called, and you are like, "Hey, do you want to do it tonight?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, why not?" So wait, here we go. Who's going to tell me no? Nobody. That's the nice part about having it in my house.
3: It would take me back to where I began mm-hmm. with the nation, in that I am just making content on my own again.
2: There's something liberal, our Erno deal is the,
3: yeah. Our earnout deal is up at the end of November, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's either a decision of like figure out what the post sale Wanye looks like with a dramatically reduced role with the company. Like, I don't you see now, I don't do any business shit at all for the company, right? Like, I step well, away. Much
2: fun is running Twitter
3: though, I love it. It's back to the beginning, yeah. Right? When, <clears throat> excuse me, hold on one second, I'm just gonna cough. Great, good times. Um, When the nation first started up, for me, it was an exercise of computer programming because I had to get a buddy and we had to code up our original website because like WordPress and shit wasn't out there.
2: I was actually thinking about the uh, playoff skin that never saw the light of day the other day.
3: Oh, you know what's funny? I thought about it the other day in the shower. You remember the old website, how there was like a header and like the image there, and then there was a footer image, and then there Mm -hmm. was like the ads were on the sides kind of. So what we had was the Stanley cup was every bit of custom graphics on the landing page. So in between the articles was the cup in between the ads was the cup and the way that we had it lined up, you could only see the names of Oilers in full. So the whole website looked like the cup. (laughs) It was so cool. And we made it in like 2008 and then we made a bunch of changes to the site in about 2011. And we're like, ah, well, when they make the playoffs, we'll take the old cup skin and we'll fucking change it up and do it. And then, obviously, by 2017, who knows where it all going?
2: Yeah, 20- but anyway, 2017, the site relaunched again to its current v- version.
3: Uh, mostly yes. We've made some changes. We changed the ad yeah. stack and stuff like that. It's yeah. a fairly evolving uh, product. Yep. Um, but we ran on something that Jeff Siegel and I wrote. In 2010, we had no commercial CMS for like eight years. It I remember the old, I wrote.
2: the old Batcave was a hell of a spot to write articles.
3: With the wiggly arms for yep. the guide logging in. Yep. That spirit of like, we're going to code our own content management system up. Oilers Nation, when we first started it out, it truly was a technical exercise. I didn't know anybody else. I did not know anybody else who owned their own website. Yeah. Right. I didn't even realize you could do that sort of thing until I read it in a business magazine that people started their own websites. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. I thought you had to be like Yahoo to own a website. And I looked into it, and how it was like a micro business. You could probably get a site up and running for under 10 grand in those days. And my brain was just like, Oilers, do Oilers, make an Oilers one. You should make an Oilers website. And then the cup run happened, and I was like, I would love to have an Oilers website right now. This would be the fucking funnest thing in the world. And then I just did something about it. But anyways, now I have a decision to make. If I'm not businessman, the nation network anymore, because God, thank God we were purchased by a playmaker capital. They're now business daddies and mommies Mm -hmm. and Jay and all the team. Do I do a new content deal with the company? And just go back to where I began and with 15% of my time on a week to week basis, do I do my own podcast twice a week, a weekly article series and continue to run Twitter? That would be like me in a very happy place that I would do that for the next 10 years if I was so inclined, because all the annoying shit is gone. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Not that doing real life is annoying, but it just, it isn't you on your own right no, like no, no. today when we were doing our show like the boys god bless them are excited but like you're not going to get a word in edge watch for the most part yep and you can't speak with cadence and like one of the things i see of good podcasters is they know to stop and let have dead air in that right whereas real life is like a 10-man knife fight which is great which is what we want it to be. right people yelling over each other and chalmers talking to the mayor wearing a fucking cowboy hat i thought that was the funniest (laughs) thing i'd seen in years right (laughs) but it's not like a thoughtful expression of fucking really much of anything whereas better than never i love it
2: yeah because it's kind of like you can sit down and you take your time we can go for an hour we can go for 30 minutes it really doesn't matter
3: i've been trying to get a co-host a specific dude and uh, like all great men, their hard their hearts are hard to capture, and I'm I'm working on it. I will at some point either land my man or cut him loose and and go out on my own again. But uh, I hope to the have one a new that, show. The
2: one you told me about.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I hope that comes together because I think it'd be super interesting.
3: I never give up.
2: Hope we'll never die.
3: You know, you know how I roll. If I get told no, I'm going to try to find another way. Mm-hmm. I was walking with Wanye Jr. this weekend. We were out at a golf course and we were walking down the side of the road because neither of us give a shit. And he came to a speed bump. (laughs) And it was like beyond his capacity how to climb over it, right? Like he didn't know what to do. And he put his feet on the speed bump and then like pushed him backwards. And like, he literally has no idea what a bump is, right? Mm -hmm. And so he like looks at me and he kind of starts to whine a little bit. And I'm like, hey man, get over that speed bump. And he climbed onto all fours and like Spider Monkey walked over top of it as though oh, it yeah, was yeah. like, and he got to the other side and he was beaming ear to ear. And I was like, there you go, my man. You just got over your first speed bump in life. Yep. Good it skill.
2: A, it is a good skill. And like I said, nobody that I know ever and that I've met in my life has done it better than you. Thank you. That's a very well, especially nice thing. the I positive like this attitude show. that you keep running through with it too. It's just, I mean, I'm a neurotic mess half the time and all you'll just, you'll call me and you'll be like, you need to shut up right now. <laughs> wow.
3: Well, you don't hear self-talk. That's why we hear Connor say he's a piece of shit on the bench. You're like, what an idiot, but that's probably how he talked to himself. I, I just know, like I've lost all my money. I've had bad shit happen to me and I've also now triumphed. And like, if you want to be negative and pessimistic and cynical about shit, you're not wrong. It's just nothing good's ever going to fight. Yeah. Me.
2: It just doesn't help you.
3: I don't know at the age of a thousand now, a single successful person who's like, yeah, man, I just stepped up and I was so dope at it from day one. And everyone was like, you're the man. I'm like, you fucking know it. And now I just read <laughs> like that never fucking happens.
2: No, no. Well, nothing we're in life worth doing is easy.
3: Really? Well, I know one thing, but I'll tell you when we're off the air. Of, it's course, a joke.
2: of course. It's of not course. very hard.
3: So let's do it two, three times a day. I was at a good time, but yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying.
2: Sometimes you wander into those different categories: self-exploration, meditation. I think all of
3: meditation. (laughs) I think the flames bringing this whip snap back to hockey. Of course, uh, we're never going to beat the Oilers because they aren't really buying into anything beyond being scared of Coach Sutter.
2: And everything was an excuse. There was always fingers pointed the other way. Nobody was being like, "We need to be better." It was always this guy, this went wrong, that went wrong. In the end, it was fuck the refs. There was none of that from an Oilers perspective. Even in the first round, when they had the, some shit go down, just go wrong against the LA Kings, they were just like, yep, that happened. We got to be better. It was such That's ownership. why I tweeted
3: that they're going to fucking win. And people are like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, okay, well, it's not like all the people who shit on the Oilers when they lose and the la- and a- game 82 has happened. They've cleaned out their fucking lockers for the year and everybody's been shitting them all on on them all year. Like, see? Does that feel good? You were right. Do you feel good about yourself?
2: Yeah, that's what I don't get it. Like, there's still a handful of people that, even though the others are going to the Western Conference Final, they find no joy in what's happening right now. It's the weirdest thing. Some people are
3: fucking miserable people, man. All you can do is mute and block.
2: Just I just don't understand how you have no fun right now. Like... There's things about the team that I don't agree with, but man, I'm having a good time.
3: Because there's dark and poisonous souls out there, man, that just live to shit on other people. And that's all. And they don't do anything with themselves. And it's not like they're a big Bruins fan. So they go over to Bruins Twitter and they're super positive. They're just negative shits, man. And these people don't change. They just die. So you're best to get the fuck away from them because they can only bring you down for real.
2: I agree with that. I agree with that. And Wanye, as, as you just wrapped up that point, I see my timer is winding down. That Zoom, the uh, free version, is telling us that we're going to shut this down.
3: I think that's good. You want to go again or it. do you want to end it?
2: I think we should end it there. I think that was a good okay. chat. We did about yeah, an hour yeah. here.
3: Oh, did it? Did it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went was this on long.
3: point for a better late than never?
2: I think it was great. That's, the, again, that's the nice thing about this podcast is that we can just, like, it doesn't matter. We'll have a conversation. People are going to listen to it. They can fast forward all of this. I don't care, but we're just having a chat and we can do whatever we want because Tyler's not here to tell us no. Yeah. that's most important.
3: One day we'll start our own Oilers website. One day. And then we'll will. show Tyler your M check like who the hell's in charge of what. Mm-hmm. One I day. I think the Oilers are going to the cup finals, my
2: friend. I think the Oilers are going to go to the cup finals too. I think I that... want you to
3: have me back on the show in between round three, or round four. And then I'm going to say, I sold, I told you so.
2: You can come back on anytime. I got plenty more YouTube to talk about. I might even, I might even spring for the paid version of Zoom.
3: Damn, man, you really got better cream than never. It's rich around here. Hey, well, We're good tank. luck to you. Anytime. I'm sorry I fucked you over. I was supposed to come to the show about two Saturdays ago, and not <laughs> only did I just space, <laughs> I didn't even see that text message for like four days. I'm a fucking idiot. But you know what? So
2: it worked out okay because I had Princey on. Princey we kind of got to do a little origin story on him. He's a fascinating dude. He just likes to make content. And I had a good time chatting with him. Ultimately, I want to have him back on so I can dunk on him a little bit, even though I like him a lot as a person.
3: But you kind of have to, you know. I was like, Princey, do you want to do Battle of Alberta banter even the Battle of Alberta's over? He's like, What? No. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he works for us. Hey, I'm like, oh.
2: <laughs> and there you go. Wanye, courtesy of our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, check them out at trilogyrentals.ca. If you got a job coming up, they've got all the equipment you need. I don't know what any of it does, but I promise you that they do. And that's what's most
3: important here. That's what you need. You need them to know, not you.
2: Wanye, thanks for being here, pal.
3: Bag milk, you're a gentleman as always. Congratulations on all your success. Caution this podcast may contain traces of cheese and cherries. And with that,
4: back to our regular programming.
2: I want to thank Wanye for jumping in and our friends at Trilogy Oil Field Rentals for making it all possible. But now, I've got a couple of messages from all of you. Let's get to the voicemail. The voicemail is brought to you by Rig Hand Distilleries. Check them out at RigHandDistillery.com. There you'll find the Tour and Tasting Coupon. I've been talking about it all year on the Beatcast. Print that off. Check out the facility in Nisku. Go have a tour. Grab yourself a bottle of Brum. Grab yourself a bottle of Double Double. That's both delicious. See how they make it. Take a tour. Talk to your new friends at Rig Hand Distilleries. I promise you're going to have a great time. I would not lie to you. Got a handful of voicemails to get through today. And then again, I promised I'm going to play Captain Felton's, uh, his diss track. For the Calgary Flames, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. But first, we got a little business to get to. Your voicemails, I wanted to hear from you. Here's number one.
4: Hey, bag milk. It's Adam. What's up, Adam? Uh, first of all, I want to give you the update on the lime uh, crushed Slurpee thing. Yes, I did get it for four and five. There you go. And clearly, it works. Of Thank course. Thank you for the advice. I-
2: if you don't, if you didn't hear last week's podcast, Adam. I mentioned it earlier. Adam had been getting a lime slurpee for game three. So he said, do I need to get one for game four? I was like, fuck yes, you do. Game four and game five, he got one. Maintain the routines. I have to shave tomorrow. I remember, you remember uh, game six, I said I needed a change of vibe. I needed a change. So I shaved before game six against LA. It worked. Shaved on game seven. It worked. Did not shave for game one against the Flames. They lost. What did I do for two, three, four, and five? You fucking right! I'm clean shaven, back to Adam.
4: We'll keep it up in the next round, and uh, all I can say is, like, right now, I I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. Like, this is the best feeling ever. Not only are we in the in the third round, we beat the Flames to get there. It is the best feeling I've ever felt.
2: It really is, right?
4: Let's go, Oilers! And remember. Kane hat-trick game three. Bet it.
2: So Adam brought this up again last week. He's like, are you going to bet on Kane to score a hat-trick in game three? Because so far in round one, he did it. In round two, he did it. Game three will be back here at Roger's place. I, I think I might have to do it. I think I might have to do it. And if they do get it, Adam, that next lime slurpee's on me, pal. Message number two.
4: Hello. This is your donkey. It's been a while. Meanwhile, listen to the music.
2: (laughs) What's going on in this message? Doggy Volley's got either a TV on, a radio, or he's recording something in a party full of people.
3: Enjoy. Sit back. I can't
2: hear anything. What are you watching, donkey? Are you watching the news? I don't know what's going on there.
3: I
4: can't
3: can't
2: hear a thing I can't hear a thing The donkey's out of practice The donkey is out of practice That's two in a row I couldn't even get through them Donkey Vol, you know I love you But whatever you're watching in the background Is that Coronation Street? I imagine it's Coronation Street Voicemail number four
4: Hey, big milk Go Oilers, uh, I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh So I've been seeing around; people are talking about how the Avalanche are going to steamroll the uh Oilers in the second round. What I don't think enough people are talking about is how shaky Darcy Kemper's been. I want to say like has been. sub nine hundred save percentage versus the St. Louis Blues. It was a nine hundred four. Very good team.
2: Oops, shit! I'd press the wrong fucking button there. I got to start that over. I this right there. Donkey Volley is going to turn you down. That one's over. Okay. Uh, So, oh, actually, against St. Louis, I think you're right. But through two rounds, he had a 9.04. So I'm going to start this over again. We're going to pretend like I didn't screw it
4: up. Go Oilers. Go Oilers. Uh, two questions for Mm -hmm. you. Uh, So I've been seeing around people are talking about how the Avalanche are going to steamroll the uh, Oilers in the second round. What I don't think enough people are talking about is how shaky Darcy Kemper's been. I want to say he had a sub 900 save percentage versus the St. Louis Blues, who, while yes, are a very good team, have a worse offense than the Edmonton Oilers. True. So I was wondering how you think that would play out, because it seems like Smith has been playing better. And I wonder if people are underestimating how, underestimating Kemper's poor play and how the Oilers could abuse that.
2: Uh, so if that's the first question, I'll jump in here right now. So, yeah, I agree. I talked about Darcy Kemper off the jump of the show. He has not been very good through the playoffs. He had himself a fine regular season, did not have a great postseason so far. 904 through the two rounds, that's not great. Mike Smith has got a better save percentage than that, even though he let in some weird and questionable goals. Still, Schmidty battles, can Kemper match? Markstrom could not. We'll see what happens. However, there's another thing that I want you all to know and just to think about. I imagine Mike Smith is going to look down the ice at Darcy Kemper and have a little bit of rage in his heart. Why do I say that? Because the Oilers tried to acquire Darcy Kemper. Ultimately, they could not make it work. He went to Colorado, but they did try. Frank Saravalli confirmed it with me. They did try to get Darcy Kemper, but couldn't do it. Who's here now? Mike Smith. He was plan B or C for the Edmonton Oilers at times in his tenure. But you think that's not going to weigh on his mind or at least fire his heart up staring down the ice at the guy who they tried to get to replace him? Schmitty Battles. If he's looking to get himself motivated, you can't tell me that's not another instance. The exact same thing that happened with Jacob Markstrom. They tried to sign him before coming back to Mike Smith. Darcy Kemper's another guy on that list. Is he on the Mike Smith hit list? Maybe.
4: Secondly, I've been seeing on my Instagram these nation watch parties. look like an absolute blast. Now, I am a huge Oilers fan. I am an Oilers fan behind any lines. I live in southern Alberta. So it's really hard for me to make it up to one of these watch parties. So I was wondering if there's any like talk about it around Nation HQ to have a Nation watch party in Southern Alberta behind enemy lines. You have that because it looked like a blast and I just wish I could make it. They are. And I know there's a lot of Oilers Nation citizens who feel the exact same way. So hopefully, I don't know if you can provide some clarification on that. If you are the right guy to ask, I would just love if there was a Nation watch party more accessible to Oilers fans elsewhere. Thanks, Big Milk. Go Oilers. Bring on the Avalanche.
2: Uh, I wish I had better news for you. Like, we are having watch parties again through round three. Tomorrow nights, which is Tuesday, is going to be at the Pint downtown. So I'm super excited about that one. But having them down in Calgary requires a different kind of skill set, really. Because the thing that what you guys... If you have attended a party, you see the giveaways and the raffles, and whether it's Tyler or Caroline or Dan hosting, you see all that stuff. But what you don't see necessarily is all the work that goes on behind the scenes and the weeks and days leading up to the party. And the reality is the only way we can get that done is because we're here in Edmonton. If we had people that were on staff that were Oilers fans down in Calgary, we would absolutely do it. But we've only got Princey. And Princey, albeit he's a great guy, Love him. Listened to his episode a couple couple of weeks ago. He's a Flames fan, so he's not going to throw us an Oilers party down in Calgary, even though I guarantee you're right that there's a ton of nation citizens down there that deserve an Oilers watch party. Unfortunately, I don't think that we'll be able to do it, at least not this year. But we're also planning on having more events going on where we bring people up from Calgary. So watch out for those maybe next year. We got plans, we got big lofty dreams to get more of us together in different locales, including going down maybe for some watch parties. It didn't work out this year, it didn't work out this round. We were trying to even plan a bus trip to Calgary, but the reality is we couldn't make the economics work. The tickets were too expensive, the hotels got jacked up, even the price of the bus was more expensive than what we were used to. So instead of just the usual price point when we do a trip to Calgary, it was three, four times higher than what it normally would have been. So we're not here to try and take advantage of nature citizens and all the people that love this team as much as we do. We just want to throw a good event that you can come to and have a great time. So unfortunately we won't have the bandwidth to get you a viewing party in Calgary this round but I really, really love the idea and maybe it's something that we can push going into next season. Hey Bag Milk, want to know where I was when McDavid scored his OT winner? Yes, I do. In the referee change room at Terwilliger, listening to it uh, (laughs) Jack Michaels on the radio on my phone. Let me tell you this, it's pretty hard to have a shower after hockey with a boner. (laughs) I was thinking about that today as we were doing real life because Jay told a story about he was at a wedding on Saturday which would have happened which would have been right in the middle of game six had they needed one and all I was thinking about was all the parents and all the people that aren't like me like I come home and I've got I've got a girlfriend so I got to make time for her and obviously you know I invite her to our events and stuff but like I don't have any kids that play sports I've got Frank I take him for a walk he doesn't care that I watch the weather's game You know, he wants to hang out with me. I'll throw his ball a little bit during the game, but I don't have like kids sports that I have to make a choice between being a good dad or mom or parent and watching my beloved Edmonton Oilers. And I can always just, you know, I've got that pass. I just say, this is my job. I got to stay home and I got to watch sports. So to all of you that if you're like the last message and you're at the ref room in Terwilliger because you got a men's league game or whatever you're refing, I salute you. If you were at a function and you were watching that OT on your phone, I salute you. If you were in transit somewhere and you were listening to Jack Michaels with the call, I salute you. Wherever you were watching or listening or hearing Game 5, that's where you needed to be. We sent all the positive vibes out we needed into the universe, and for that, I say thank you. Last of voicemail for Rig Hand Distilleries.
4: right, listen here, brother. We got the two 24 inch pythons. One named
0: David, and the other named Tricettle. And after choking out the flames, the pythons are coming for
3: you, Avalanche. <laughs> when the Survivor Series gets started in Colorado, all the little oiler maniacs will be running wild. You know what avalanches do, bag milk? They always go downhill, and that's what's going to happen here, brother.
1: It's a new world order with Oilers Nation domination. Oilers taking in six. cuz what you're going to do when Oilers Media
4: runs wild on you, brother.
2: I'm loving the wrestling impressions that are coming in over the last couple of weeks. So The brothers lead me to believe that's Hulk Hogan. We had Macho Man checking in last week. This has got to be Hulk Hogan. Again, I'm not a massive wrestling fan, so correct me if I'm wrong, but hulkamania don't lie baby hulkamania don't lie and i agree avalanches always go downhill that's how gravity works and i feel like this time the expectations are a little high on them cruise around twitter right now and avalanche fans have already got this thing wrapped up before even a shift has been played what happened the last time the others faced a scenario like this hmm all right they beat the flames in five games that's what happened the last time they were underestimated. Will it happen this time? I don't know, but I am can't wait to watch, and I can't thank you enough for all the voicemails from my friends at Rig Hand Distillery. Again, RigHandDistillery.com. Go check it out. The Tour and Tasting coupon is live there. You can see what they have in their shop. I encourage you to grab a bottle of Brum and a grab a bottle of Double Double. They're both different yet equally delicious. Go check them out at RigHandDistillery.com. I want to say thank you again to all of you for listening. I'm super grateful that you're here. I'm super grateful that you're leaving messages. Without you, the show doesn't work. And without the audio department, the show doesn't work. So go check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. And, of course, I want to thank my friends at Arcadia Brewing. I want to thank Trilogy Oilfield Rentals for bringing us the Wanye interview today. Rig Hand Distillery. And, lastly, but not least, Wine & Beyond, Liquor Depot, and Ace A Liquor. Go check them out for all of their game day deals during the playoffs and as promised we're going to wrap up episode 26 of Better Late Than Never by playing Captain Felton's The Red Mile song in its entirety. Don't
0: want to wake up cause I know they closed the street closed the street that's where I used to have my fun when I go out I'll have to find a brand new spot because Big David has closed my other one if I get drunk Yes, you know I'm heading north. I'm heading north right up the road to Edmonton. Because the Flamers, yeah, the Flames, they shit the bed. And now the Oilers are the ones with all the fun. Because they have shut down the Red Mile. You need to book a tea, book a tea time just like your hockey team. I'm talking Luke Cheech. He's such a slow-ass plug. I'd rather have the dead cap than Kenny. Yeah, the Oilers, we hit the lottery with Connor, Leon, Hyman, and Dougie. Parsons, Woody, we're off to round three to challenge for the cup they call Stan Cause they have shut down The Red Mile and White Ave is the place To be cause the Oil
2: Can you not love that from Captain Felton? Thank you, everybody. There's episode 26, Better Late Than Ever. Download, subscribe, tell your friends.